Welcome, fellow curious minds, to The Strange Sessions, the paranormal podcast that delves deep into the unexplained, the supernatural, and the enigmatic. I'm your host, Kurt, and alongside me is the charming and fearless Krista, my co-host and partner in exploring the unknown. In each episode of The Strange Sessions, we embark on a captivating journey, unraveling the mysteries that surround us, one chilling tale at a time. From haunted houses and legendary creatures to inexplicable phenomena and spine-tingling encounters, we leave no stone unturned in our quest to shed light on the shadows that lurk in our world. Krista's unwavering dedication and insatiable curiosity make her the perfect companion on this intriguing expedition. With her sharp intellect and open mind, she fearlessly confronts the unexplainable, challenging conventional wisdom and daring to explore the extraordinary. Together, we'll navigate through the maze-like web of the supernatural, bringing you stories that will leave you both captivated and unnerved. So if you're ready to embrace the eerie, join us every week as we unlock the secrets of the paranormal, leaving no mystery unexplored. Get ready to sit back, listen, and immerse yourself in the strange sessions, where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, and reality becomes an enigma waiting to be unraveled. Welcome to our world of the unexplained. Dang. So that was that was written by Chat GPT when I asked wow. it to write an introduction for I our, like this. <laughs> it really I sound likes awesome. you. <laughs> yeah. All I all I typed in there was uh please write a uh opening for our podcast, The Strange Sessions that I do with my friend Krista. That is hilarious. And that's, that's what it made. That's like kind of creepy, yeah. actually. Yeah, it, it was really good. And awesome. And we also have another chat GPT thing coming at the end when we have okay. a... Uh, How many of our strangers were like, what is going on right yeah, now? Yeah, they're like, because especially with, I have a cold. I'm getting over a cold that was a, apparently a going away gift from one of my students oh, the last day welcome. of school. So I'm getting over a cold, so my voice sounds off. So they're probably like... Am I is listening to the right show? Is, this, is there a different hosts? Did they, did they fire Kurt? It's new AI hosts. Yes, yeah, it's, it's our new AI hosts. That would be so creepy. That like, would be super creepy. Like, did you ever see the? I, I see it all the time on Instagram where they're using Arnold Schwarzenegger's face and his voice, and the AI is like putting him. He's they're making him into Dorothy in the Wizard of no? Oz, and he's singing somewhere over I feel the like rainbow. I need to see this. It's though. so weird, and it's just yeah, AI. AI is weird, yes, but yes, is. we have another AI Listen thing. Listen to our last episode, yeah, folks. We have another yet. AI thing coming at the end. So okay. that was our introduction written by ChatGPT. Uh, thanks, Chatty. Yeah, thank for you. For doing that. Uh, really like Krista for some reason. Yeah. It made I you mean, sound so awesome. Wow. I had to stop myself from laughing out loud during that part, but... <laughs> Uh, give shout outs to our newest strangers, and those are Matt Brooks, Sandy Ruffalo, Ruffalo Jamie Goff, Lisa Whitehead, and I would like to give shout outs to some of my students that came to me and said they listened to the podcast and would like a shout out. And those are Brendan, Leif, Thomas, Brenna, Tucker, Grace, Edward, Kyler, Amalia, Steele, and as always, wow. Paige and Nora. That's a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, they came to me at, at recess one day and they're like, We listened to your episode, it was really good. Nice. And they're like, can we get a shout out? I'm like, sure. So Lisa Whitehead, I just wanted to give an extra shout out to because she reached out on Instagram and she was like, hey, I just discovered you guys. I've been binging you. I'm only on season three and I hope you're still going. Yeah. And I responded are. like, oh, yeah, we're on season we seven. So yeah, you so got we are. We're still going. We're still here. Hey, um, okay. Two things. If you don't want to sit through the taste test and opening of boxes, hit pause, check the show notes. Kurt will have posted the timestamp of the actual topic start. And second, I'm doing a little experiment today. 
um, using an app on my phone because I've been watching a ton of ghost hunting stuff on YouTube. But the app is GhostTube. And it's sort of like an ovulus where it's just listening to what's going on in the environment and it spits out words from a database. Because just like, I don't know, we can't, I came down here this morning and stuff that was on the wall wasn't on the wall anymore. Yeah. I'm not calling it paranormal because I just feel like it was the weight of what was holding it up on the wall. I'm calling way. it paranormal. <laughs> we are riling something up down here with all of our stories. So we'll just see if it randomly spits out words during the podcast. And I don't know. We'll, we'll go from there. I think that would be fun. So anyway, um, for for those... Destination Fear fans, if you're with me, Project Fear is on the 23rd. Get excited. It's a it's a new YouTube channel because Destination Fear got canceled. So now it's just a YouTube So thing. now they created a YouTube channel so it will be free to anybody who wants to watch Sweet. and I'm pumped. Sweet. I want to investigate so bad. So I know. bad. I know. I think our next two episodes are going to have um guests. So this might be the last one that's just you and me for a little while. The way you just said um, guests made it sound like it's some secret code for something else. No, that's because I'm, I'm getting over the cold and my stupid throat is, is funny. It's scratchy. So um, no. <clears throat> Quote believe, unquote guests. I believe the next episode AI? will be Mark and Rhonda. Sweet. And I think the one after that will be Aaron. Awesome. Yeah. Because he's got to put this last chair together then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We only have three. I can use one of these old ones. No, there's, it's over there. It just has to be put together. Do we have any other housekeeping that we need to really talk about or should we dive into? We got a couple packages to open. And, we do. We have three stuff. packages to open. And we can, the one housekeeping we'll just cover when we open this one because we know what it is, right? Yeah. Book club stuff? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's for, unless you want to open that for book club. The oh, next let's time we do, do that. Book club. Let's yep. open it for book club. Yep. All right. We know what it is. We're down to two packages. Um, down to two packages. <laughs> let's open up the big one The big first. box. Okay. I, think I already from, grabbed. It, wasn't the... that from Michaela? Um. Yes. Yep. Yes. I already grabbed our dagger from Sophia and Adam from our cabinet of curiosities. So I'm gonna slice this fat boy open. <laughs> it's a fat boy. Could have done a sign yeah, You would have. been lost on me. How are you doing, listeners? Are you taking care of yourselves? Are you staying hydrated? <laughs> Give yourself a hug from us. She's making progress on this. Sort of. Remember, I don't edit these anymore, so... No. So this void, I'm trying to think, uh, school is done and I'm going to, as long as we're, as long as I have time, I'm going to do my Kurt's apology section right now. Uh, because I knew this was going to be during the last week of school. I knew this was going to be stressful and the last week of school is always nuts. So this one is going to be a lot of stories. The second half especially is like a lot of Reddit stories. The first half is a lot of articles. Okay. Let's open. Let's just take one thing out for now. Okay. Ooh. I looked. Oh, this is a cute card. Oh, you read this. You're better at reading than I am. Yep. Okay. I even brought my glasses down here. Sweet. Hold on. The rolling chair poses a problem every once in a while. It does. Michaela, thank you so much for sending these. I haven't landed on my butt yet, so that's good. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. 
kid doodle. <laughs> That's fun. Her kid did a doodle on the card and she like put a little square around it that says kid doodle. Kurt and Krista. Thank you for your podcast. It's definitely my favorite. I've always been big into all things paranormal, cryptid, alien. The truth is out there. And I appreciate your approach that includes a healthy dose of skepticism. I sent you some goodies from New England. The Nutter Butter popcorn is just random. So that's what I pulled up. Okay. Ooh, I like Nutter Butters. The whiskey. Oh. (laughs) Oh, no. Hello. Comes from this cool distillery in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is my happy place. This distillery makes some fun flavors. I'm sending the maple flavor since I know Kurt doesn't like whiskey, so maybe the maple flavor will help. Kurt does love maple. I do. I wonder if we should try that when Mark and Rhonda are on or Aaron, because I know Aaron likes his whiskey. We could have everybody try it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, except it's from a maple tree that grows over graves. Ooh, even better. That's cool. I hope you have a wonderful summer. Looking forward to season seven. Stay strange. Oh, I wonder if she's not caught up yet. No, I think she sent it this... I think she sent... Maybe not. I think she didn't get caught up yet. Sweet. Oh, look at it. It's got a bird. Oh, thank you so I'm much, such Michaela. a bird nerd. Thank you so much. I love the card. Okay. So let me take a picture of this bag. Let's do that look. one first because that one's going to be good. I can't oh. guarantee that mine is going to be good. You can't guarantee it? No. Okay. It's cookie pop popcorn nutter butter flavor. I'm a little excited. I love nutter butters, but so only fun. dunked in milk. Oh. You put like three of them in your hand, in your between your fingers, and dunk it in milk. I don't have any milk. <sighs> Sorry, but it's popcorn. I think that would be kind of gross. Did you say milk or milk? Milk. Say it again. Milk. I think it, I say it the like right way. It's like a Midwestern joke. Milk. Milk is spelled M-I-L-K, but if you're from the Midwest, you say milk. M-E-L-K. I think I say milk. Yeah, milk. I think I actually pronounced that right. Yeah, me too. Okay. Crack this bad boy open. It could just be because we're thinking about it, too, that we pronounce it right. Oops, I accidentally closed ghost, the ghost box. Ghost tube. Okay. Let's open this bad boy. Woo. Mm. Oh, it smells really good. <laughs> I'm going to take a handful. Here, you toss me. Toss me, like, two pieces. Oh. Okay. It's sort of like... <laughs> good enough. I get it. Good. Got it. Oh my gosh. I'm excited about this. It seems like it's going to be sort of caramel corny. It's very drizzled. Yeah. Oh, look at this chunk. I got a big chunk. I'm really <laughs> excited a about big it. chunk. Hold on. Let me take a picture of that for the interwebs, the socials. Oh, it smells good. Yeah, it does smell really good. <coughs> Are you going to be able to taste it with your yep. cold? Okay, yep. ready? Yep. Let's do this. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. Ooh. It's like a peanut butter drizzle. That is really good. That is amazing. It, it totally tastes like It tastes like a nutter butter. A nutter butter. It tastes like the oh peanut butter inside a nutter butter. Mm-hmm. That is a ten out of ten. On popcorn. Easily. And I love popcorn. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it an eleven. Dang. Because it's our podcast and I can do that. Crystal's going outside the bounds. I like I that. Oh, my God. That is so good. That is really good. Yeah, definitely a 10. That tastes wow. just like Nutter Butter peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Thank On you so big, much, fluffy popcorn. Yeah, thank you. That was amazing. This one won't be as good. The whiskey's going to be interesting because I don't drink and I definitely don't drink. I'm not a whiskey person, but maple. Hard I liquor. love anything maple. Am I going to so, be... Is it going to be a drunk episode That for might Krista? be a drunk episode. Oh. Okay. So this... Corey, I think I said this on here, Corey and Grayson uh, 
went to the Asian market in town months ago, and they loved it, so they got me hooked on going there. Mm. And that's where I got the ginseng, little ginseng sodas that we got last time. Okay. So I went there this week to get some more of those, and they have like a chip section that always rotates different things. Okay. So here we have some, obviously, Lay's from Thailand. Ooh. Okay, two-in-one. It's it's written in a language I don't understand, but it says (laughs) underneath it, it's a two-in-one. It's a mixture of fried chicken wing flavored potato okay. chips and sriracha sauce flavored Ooh, potato chips. I love sriracha. Corey, because I was telling Corey about it yesterday. Well, Corey said it could be really good if they don't just try to make it just spicy. spicy if they have it like really sriracha flavored and not so much just heat. The spice. So if you want sriracha wanna... can be hot. Yeah. I do love sriracha though. And um, I don't know if anyone's noticed there's a sriracha shortage right now. At least the brand that I love. Really? You, I haven't been able to buy it for months. Not cool. But yeah, it's a cool package. It's like, it's from Thailand. It's a product of Thailand. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to try the fried chicken wings one because I don't know how that's going to be. So do you think it's a mixture? It's a mixture in the package. So there's going to be some that are sriracha. Mm. I'm hoping that we can see the difference. Yeah, how do you... I'm guessing the sriracha ones might look... I'm just... Oh, more red? More red. I'm just going to grab some. And hope I get a variety. Okay. Getting the steps in today, people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I can see some look redder than others. I think so. Yeah. Let me take a picture of this. So I say it every time. I need better lighting down here. Okay. Oh, they smell. They smell kind of good. I'm gonna try the one that looks like it's not sriracha. Yeah, me too. I think that's this. Okay. Yep. Go. Oh. Oh, that tastes like chicken. It I does. can taste it. Weird. That is weird. weird. Like it tastes like fried chicken. The breading. I even get like the breading flavor. I get like the. I'm gonna try another one. I get like the actual spices in the breading. Yes. That is weird. It's, but good. it's good. It's really good. It's just a little disconcerting. I'm not. It is because to I'm not chicken. No, I'm not used to. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. That would actually be good crumple like. Broken down, and you could bread chicken with it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. I'm going for a sriracha one, I think. Oh, I think I am, too. Oh. Oh, interesting. Oh. Hmm. It's not very spicy. It's not as spicy as oh, I... Oh, now it's hitting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay, now oh, it's hitting God. me. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that ramps up fast. It actually has a really good flavor, though. The initial flavor is actually really good. It's sweet. I've never really had sriracha, so I didn't know what to expect. It's kind of sweet and vinegary, and then the spice hits you afterwards. I like these. Yeah, it is sweet. It's a slow burn. It is sweet, and oh, but yeah, that oh, when that when that burn comes on, it comes on fast. It does. It's at the it's at the back end. Fast and hard. (laughs) <laughs> Holy buckets! That's really good though, oh. but it's not like. Oh no, I don't. That's but too, it goes away quickly. It does go away quickly. It doesn't linger. But the one, the fried chicken ones, I like. Yeah. I, okay. Now I'm gonna try a bite of a fried chicken one with a sriracha one. We're getting crazy in here, people. I'm seriously gonna give that a nine because that's really good. You gotta taste them together. Mmm, that's really good. That's delicious. I'm giving these a nine as well. 
Okay, got sriracha and chicken. Good pick. And you were all like, I don't think this is going to be good. It was good. Oh, mm. That's good. It actually kind they of do dampens good down together. the spice yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I don't know I why. I like these. They're delicious. Wow. Did not expect to like those, but I do. Mm. Nine out of ten. Yes. And you, like you said, the 10. spice doesn't linger. Do you have to? That was in my head. That was actually in my head, too. Okay, should I open what I'm assuming is a poster of some kind? Sure. Okay, does this say who it's from? I don't think so. No. Hopefully there's a note inside. And sometimes if there is, I miss it anyway. Hopefully it's not like a big picture of you through your window. Because oh <laughs> that would be creepy. Sorry. As I saw you just accidentally plunge the scissors into it. We need you to have a, a, a mic that you can wear, like when you go and open packages. Like a headset. Like Janet Jackson's headset. Intrigued. I'm intrigued too. I don't know what that is. No, it seems to be wrapped in like tissue paper. Okay. <sighs> Again, this is riveting. This is why we need to figure out video. What is happening? What is this? Oh my god. Is it Sorry, a, is it a, is it like a human bone? <laughs> yes, it's a femur. <laughs> no, it's like Sorry. It is like somebody made a poster. Oh, here's a note. Let does me read say, it before I Does it say the stream sessions? You. Yes. It's like a poster that looks like it has little drawings of everything we've talked about or done. This looks really cool. Okay. Hey, Kurt and Krista finally finished this little drawing of strange stuff. Hope you guys enjoy finding all the different Easter eggs. Love the podcast as always. So who is it from? <laughs> I don't see a name, though. Maybe it's on here? Yeah, maybe it's on the poster. That looks so cool. Oh, my God. No, you don't even understand. Oh, my God, look it. That's me and you. <laughs> That's awesome. 11, is that my 11. underwear? Is that, the, is that my lucky underwear? It's your lucky podcasting undies. There's Bigfoot footprints all over it. There's a Coochie's Key Lime Pie. This is so cool. There's a name tag that says, Hello, Intern. Oh, my goodness. This is so cool. There are so is many there amazing name? Who things did this? in here. I don't know. Song choice, fish. <laughs> oh, that's the farmhouse cover. That's the album Farmhouse. Oh my goodness. Who did this? Is it on the back? I I don't know. I'm a big pickle. Mystery, I'm a big dill. I'm a big dill. Mis oh mystery my God. poster person. Tell us who did this because this is amazing. Like our fish jerky is on here, salmon jerky. There's chocolate. This is, nope. This is, is my mic on? This is so awesome. Who did Wait, this? Wait, is the dog okay? <laughs> There's 1111s all over it. This I'm is so dying cool. right now. We got to get a picture yeah. of this. Am I like missing it? Does it say like right on here? Return address, personal orders, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say. This is I'm so cool. I'm dying. I want to thank whoever this is. You need to tell us who you are because tell this is so Tell us who you so are, poster person, because cool. we owe you a big hug because this is awesome. It's not like on the box, is it? I didn't think it was. Huh. No. 
We'll have to figure out a way to take a picture of it because it was rolled up. Yeah. Oh, synchronicity. There's so many good that things on here. so cool. I love the piece of the key lime pie. Yes, me that too. That is so cool. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I could stare at this all day. This is awesome. Thank you. Let us know who sent this because this is amazing. Remind me, I have to take a picture of that. Yes. Wow. Thank wow. you. When people take the time to customize make, yeah. or make something yep. for us, it blows me away. Like somebody put a lot of effort into that. Yeah. And somebody's been listening for a long time. That is so awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Oh, good gosh, geez. I know. I want to I wanna see that. I want to hug whoever this was. Yep. You get a hug coming from us. Yeah. So be prepared. Both at the same time. We're going to both hug yeah, at the same time. Yeah, it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be awkward and overwhelming. <laughs> what time are we looking at here? Uh, 30 minutes, but we had nine minutes of chit-chat. Oh, so we're just about on the, time. Yep, we're right on time. Um, yes, and also I would like to thank Tom. Oh, my God. Don't. I hate that. Hate, hate, hate that with a mm-hmm, passion. Mm-hmm. Especially when a commercial puts that in in the middle of nowhere all of a sudden it makes that sound. It just makes me want to die. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to be putting it in in random places throughout the podcast. So. I will throw my coffee at you. <laughs> you wouldn't waste coffee like that. <laughs> Are you kidding it. me? Plus, I get it on the poster and I don't want to get it yeah, on the poster. Yeah, you don't want that to happen, so... So, Krista, what are we talking about today for our main topic? I think it's like time slips, right? Is yeah, that what you it said? is time slips. Good job remembering. I'm terrible at remembering. Every so, every week before the podcast, I say, what are we talking about yeah. on Saturday, even though he's so, told me like a hundred times? Basically, like I said earlier, um, I knew it was the last week of school when mm-hmm. I was going to be doing this, and I know that's always a crazy, hectic week. Yeah. So this is a lot of stories and a lot of me yes. reading articles. I love it. It's basically spit, spit. It's basically split into two different sections. The first section is time slips. The second section, there's really not a name for, so I just call it Phantom Diners. Oh. That's what I'm super fascinated with Phantom is the diners? second section. Okay. Yeah. I'm but intrigued. The first section, but they do kind of go together, actually. So okay. I thought it was like a good episode to stick the two of them together. You know, two two great tastes that taste great together. You got time slips and phantom diners. Like sriracha and fried chicken. Like sriracha and fried chicken. <laughs> so do you know what a time slip is? I mean, it, to me, it's like lost time almost, or is that what, what do you mean? No. So uh, this comes from a October 12th, 2019 article on anomalian.com called, quote, the mystery of time slips. The article says, a time slip is an occurrence in which a person or persons step from their time into another time, either in the past or the future. This paranormal idea is based on the scientific theory that time is not linear, but rather occurs like water in a lake rippling around the same point in space. So we're not talking about like going back to 1950. We're talking about like five minutes ago. Versus no, it could be. There's some any, that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Okay. It, like, like if so I, it's like time travel. It is like time travel, but it's like momentary okay okay like i could drive back home and pull into manitowoc and all of a sudden there'd be stores that i knew weren't there and then all of a sudden it would clear up and the regular stores would come back it's almost like you get a glimpse of the past or the future gotcha a person who experiences a time slip usually has some awareness of their current time and then they slip to a different time and then when they become aware of time again more time has passed than would seem possible 
The person also usually experiences a disquieting, unsettling, or depressing feeling. And that did show up in a lot of these. Okay. Some people have even described a type of fog surrounding them as they emerge into the other time. Well, that would be really creepy. Yeah. Time, mean... time slips are spontaneous instances of time travel. According to Tim Swartz, quote, a time slip is an event where it appears that some other era has briefly intruded on the present. Time slips are a subset of time travel in which the instance is spontaneous and brief. Time slips have alternatively been thought of as hauntings in which the person who experiences the time slip is actually encountering ghosts or a past memory that is strong at that particular place. However, when a person experiences a time slip, their surroundings also change, which seems to contradict the theory that time slips are merely incidences of visiting ghosts. And some people believe that that's what ghosts are, are time slips. Mm -hmm. You know, is that your your beeper thing? Yeah, I don't know why it's doing that. Oh, didn't come out with any words? Nope, not yet. It would be very... not haunted. It would be very easy to (laughs) simply dismiss time slip cases as complete bunk. After all, there is no explanation in modern physics for the ability to randomly travel into the past or the future. The stories they all tell are so extraordinary, though, it's hard to believe that the people who tell them would be lying. Yet, there is a lot of reason to believe that those people that report time slips are being genuine. Many of the people that have experienced time slips accurately describe minor aspects of their experiences that only historians would typically know. So for an example here, in 1979, two married couples, Jeff and Pauline Simpson and Len and Cynthia Gisby, went for a vacation in Spain. When they were driving through France on their way to Spain, they stopped at a hotel. They stayed at the hotel, had dinner there, and stayed the night. Both couples noted that the hotel was extremely outdated. The beds had no pillows and there were no sheets, only calico fabric. And the bill they paid seemed unusually low for the time. When they asked for directions to the nearest interstate, the hotel staff seemed to have no idea what they were talking about or even what automobiles were. When they later had their vacation pictures developed, the pictures of the hotel were completely missing from the roll. When they returned to vacation at the same hotel, the hotel was nowhere to be found and it had never existed. That's almost more of a phantom diner situation, Mm -hmm. but that's also kind of a time slip. Because maybe it did exist. Like where, where apparently they stay at this hotel that was out of time in his article called time slip travel time slip slash time travel paranormal experiences packer describes a time slip that happened to him as a teenager he was wandering around his aunt and uncle's motel restaurant playing in the woods woods in the woods (laughs) which had no buildings it was just woods when he stumbled upon a cabin with several nearly naked african-american children running around overseen by their mother who was dressed in dated clothing a turban head wrap and a long dress and when the author tried to go back and find that cabin again a few days later he could not Hmm. in other cases people from the past managed to talk to people in the future by phone conversations it seriously leads to wonderfully bizarre questions doesn't it Each time travel experience has the same beginning, which lends some believability to the actual experiences that people recall. Initially, the person who experiences a time slip feels like something is wrong. Some people who experience them mention that there is an odd fog in the air shortly before they travel to the past, while others say it's just an uneasy feeling. The length of a time slip can vary, as does the time that people visit. In some cases, it'll be a repeat of the future. In most cases, though, the unwitting person accidentally slips into the past. A time slip can last anywhere from three minutes to a full night. It can even be, like, momentarily, as you hear in some of these stories. 
This leads to a variety of different questions that need to be answered. Are we still alive in a different dimension? How do time slips happen? Most of the major theories out there suggest that time slips are produced by two dimensions sharing the same space momentarily. Whatever it may be that causes it, it's quite clear that time slips might possibly be very real. And then somebody replied, which I thought was cool. They said, time slips are more frequent than we realize. There is actually no way to prove or disprove them because their occurrence is so random that before you could hit jackpot on nailing it down, it's over. The variations of time slips could create more time paradoxes than one could explain. So how, will, how would such a time, slip, a time slip work theoretically? The person or persons who would experience such an event would probably forget the details over time or even the moment they return from the ordeal. This is because time works in such randomness that memories you brought back would be like describing a fleeting dream. Now physical objects are a whole nother issue because there is no way to prove that something came from a different timeline or was created like an elaborate hoax. In the near future, science might be capable of pinning down time slips by looking for event distortions and then by breakdowns and recreation of processes, they might actually be able to detect anatomical or molecular changes in objects. It almost feels a little bit like deja vu. Yeah, and and so I didn't I didn't talk about it in here, but some of the the articles I read like like people that are like quantum physicists are like looking into this. Mm. And people they say that they said that possibly deja vu could come from this where you you momentarily enter a time slip but when you come back you forget that you entered it but you still have, you have this lingering memory, memory. And, mm. and they said that sometimes when you walk into a room and forget what you were doing or there's this momentary dizziness that you might have just come out of a time ah, slip I don't like that I don't like that either That happens to me all the yeah, time <laughs> I don't like that either and they they think that maybe you just there's like an amnesia that comes with it that you just forgot that you huh. what you just experienced and they said that time slips might actually be happening all the time. It's just we don't remember them. So that's a creepy That's thought. really creepy. But mm. then somebody else writes, and this is one of my issues with time slips. Somebody else writes, quote, The story of the British tourists has always bothered me. Everything they had, their car, their clothes, their camera, their money, would have been from the 1970s. I don't doubt the reality of time slips, as my own family has one in its history. However, on the surface, it seems unlikely that they could have interacted people with people from the early 1900s without raising a single eyebrow. And they, what did it say? Back off. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Somebody's getting mad that I'm pish well, it's weird that you're talking about interacting with people without raising an eyebrow like yeah. i don't know what to it? your left <laughs> okay it's just weird that out of it nowhere it's yeah, saying now so. it's talking yeah okay but yeah people are like like physicists physicists i mean i'm having a hard time talking today <laughs> physicists are like actually looking into this and i couldn't get them because i think i had to pay for them but i came across like a ton of like high level scholarly journals about it like two of them that i found one of them was called quote are perceptions of time slips explainable by quantum mechanics as random time solitons and then there's another one called time slip time slips slash time solitons entanglement in time and suppression of decoherence in quantum macro states new physical mathematical proofs total page so turner. people are really like big <laughs> big time quantum yeah. physicists are like looking into this real smart people yeah so here's gets into some. Here's another article. This is a little more down to earth one. It's from the Daily Mail online from May fifteenth, twenty twenty one, called "Quote: Have you ever experienced a time slip?" The author writes, 
My partner, Andy, is the most logical man you'll ever meet, but something strange happened to him more than 40 years ago that he still struggles to explain. He said, in 1977, when I was five and my sister was seven, we were staying with my great aunt in an old Norfolk house. Norfolk house. Norfolk? Norfolk Mm -hmm. house. Uh, Another thing about these is that a lot of time slips, a majority of them seem to happen in England, Hmm. which is weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to get to that. So he was staying with his great aunt in an old Norfolk folk house. It dated back to the 1600s, he remembers. We woke very early one morning and went to the living room where we saw the fire lit and an old woman in a long dress and cap using a spinning wheel. She looked up at us but didn't say anything. Thinking that she would make their breakfast, the children walked into the kitchen, but it was dark. When they went back to ask the woman, she had vanished. The fireplace was cold, and when we told the adults later, they said that the help in the home had not arrived yet. So they walked into this old-fashioned woman at a spinning wheel, and then she wasn't even there. She went. She wasn't there when they went back one minute later. If you think of the history there, though, versus yeah. here, yeah. So I is that like a time that. slip? Is that a haunting? Because that's hard to determine. You know, I think it's weird. I, I think the difference to me is you walk into a room and it's transformed into a totally different atmosphere. Yes. And then you come back and it's I think a time slip would be the surroundings anymore. would have all changed, not yes, just the woman. Not just a person that shouldn't be there. Despite my partner's lack in belief in, quote, supernatural nonsense, <laughs> the experience of feeling like the past and present collided has stayed with him. Now he accepts he may have lived through a time slip, a paranormal occurrence where it's suddenly possible to see the same spot, but from many years ago. Ever since Mark Twain wrote his book, A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, in 1889, popular culture has reveled in the idea of time slips. You know, look at look at Back to the Future. That's kind of kind of a time slip. And while isn't that time travel? It is time travel. Yeah, it's more time travel than time slip, but that's what the article says. And while intentional time travel seems impossible, there are countless reports of ordinary people who have suddenly experienced a slip. In the 1980s, Carolyn Anders, now 57, moved to Devon for work in the NHS. I don't know what that is. One weekend, a colleague drove her to Plymouth for a party. As they skirted a roundabout on the approach to the city, she remembers seeing a beautiful church. The windows were full of color from the light streaming through the stained glass, and as we passed the front doors, I saw a large congregation, she said. While Caroline can clearly recall the sight, no one else in the car saw it. The real shock was to come a few weeks later when her boyfriend, Phil, suggested a Saturday out on Plymouth. As we drove past the roundabout, I literally cried out because the church was now in ruin, said Caroline. I said, oh my God, what's happened? Did you know it had been damaged? It was then that Phil told her that the church, the Charles Church, one of the oldest in the area, had been bombed in the Second World War. What Caroline saw was impossible. The church had been left in ruins as a memorial for the dead. Yet she... What did it say? Leave me alone. Wow. Why is it so angry at me? <laughs> I don't know. Yet she remains convinced of what she saw. Like Andy and Caroline, Matt Davies, 50, from Storebridge in the West Midlands, was baffled by a strange occurrence last November. Nothing like it has happened to me before, he insists. I was cycling down a canal around 9.30 in the morning when I saw a young guy sitting on the lock gate in what looked like, look, in what looked like Victorian working-class clothes. He was smoking a pipe and staring into the water. He didn't look up as I went past sad (laughs) somewhat confused matt began his research pinpointing the exact spot via cycling data and google earth he eventually discovered that the canal cottages opposite were the scene of an unsolved murder in the early 20th century 
Matt says it could have just been a fella who does historical recreations, but he looked a bit young for it and there was nowhere open then during lockdown. But again, is that a haunting or because he saw this old fashioned guy sitting on the dock? Is that a haunting? That's a a, haunting to me. That's more of a haunting. I, I, I agree with you. It feels like the whole environment would need to change for it to be a time slip, not just one person that yeah. doesn't belong there. Yep. Um, um, um. While most experiences of time slips appear to be glimpses of a scene, Davies has also gathered stories of others who have spoken to people from the past, bought goods in shops, and stayed for lengthy periods. Astonishingly, he adds, quote, it's possible that some people have slipped into the past and ended up stuck because thousands of people go missing every year. Oh, that's a weird idea. That's <laughs> a weird idea. Ooh. What if the missing 411 people had disappeared? Are actually stuck, are actually in, a stuck in the past. Yeah. I don't but, like but it. Then he adds, sure, but then the author of this adds, surely, though, if that were the case, we would find more modern clothes preserved in peat bogs or mobile phones fossilized in rock. To which uh, the guy responds, "Well, there have been some very odd discoveries, which there have been." But I want to also do. I also want to do an episode on, I think it's called "Out of Place Artifacts," like when stuff shows up in places that it shouldn't be, or mm-hmm. like when modern devices show up in old paintings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I want to do an episode about. Oh, that. ancient aliens! Yeah, ancient aliens. We gotta stuff. get the crazy-haired guy on here then. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so one of the most notable or most popular time slips happened to two women back in i think the 1900s so this comes from an august 22nd 2018 article on mentalfloss.com called quote the edwardian women who claim to travel back in time the article says on october 5th 1789 marie antoinette dressed in a casual low-cut dress and a wide-brimmed hat had arranged a camp stool on the grassy terrace of her chateau the Petit Trinan in Versailles. Versailles? Versailles. I think it's Versailles. Versailles. She was perched there sketching some nearby trees when her quiet repose was interrupted by a breathless page, bringing news that an angry mob was on their way from Paris. These were the events of the French queen's last day at her beloved Trianon and the beginning of the end of the French monarchy. Or at least these are the details alleged by Charlotte Anne Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain in their book called, quote, The Adventure. The two women claim that when they toured the royal palace in 1901, something extraordinary happened. They were transported back to the 18th century where they glimpsed the queen on what may have been the last happy day of her life. It was a story that Moberly and Jourdain would tell for the rest of their days. Moberly was the well-respected daughter of the Bishop of Salisbury, I love their stake, and the first (laughs) principal of St. Hugh's College for Women in Oxford. Jourdain was slated to be her vice principal. To get better acquainted, the two of them took a trip to Paris and had uh, mostly to visit Jourdain, who had an apartment inside the city. On August 10th, 1901, the two women decided to take a side trip toward the Palace of Versailles. Versailles. I think it's Versailles. Versailles. I'm so bad with that. After the tour was over, the two women were sitting in the Hall of Mirrors with time to spare when Moberly suggested that they go see the Petit, the Petit Trianon. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right. On their way, however, they got... Is your got, French a little uh, My French is... I, I got iffy. like a D plus in French in I've seventh I've never grade, taken so. French, so... On their way, however, they got lost and began to feel like something was off. They stopped to ask directions from two men dressed in greenest jackets and tricorn hats, who they assumed to be gardeners because of a wheelbarrow and other tools nearby. Jourdain also saw, to her right, a cottage. In the doorway stood a woman passing a water jug to a young girl, both dressed in unusual clothes. 
The pair continued towards the Trianon on the men's directions, but things soon took an eerie turn. Jordan later wrote in her book, quote, I began to feel as if I were walking in my sleep. The heavy dreaminess was oppressive. At last we came upon a path crossing ours and saw in front of us a building consisting of some columns roofed in and set back in the trees. Seated on the first steps was a man in a heavy black cloak, wearing a heavy black cloak around his shoulders and wearing a slouch hat. At that moment, the eerie feeling which had begun in the garden culminated in a definite impression of something uncanny and fear-inspiring. The man slowly turned his face, which was marked by smallpox. His complexion was very dark. The expression was very evil and yet unseeing. I felt a repugnance to going towards him. Just then, another man, speaking in a strange accent, came running up behind them and hurriedly told them to take the path to the Trianon, which led away from the man that they were fearing. After walking on a bit more, they found the chateau at last. On its north side terrace, Moberly observed a pretty woman with fluffy, fluffy blonde hair and a shady hat sketching. I thought she was a tourist. A Mulber- shady hat? What does that mean? <laughs> Just to keep like a shade. Oh, okay. Not like a sketchy hat. Not <laughs> like, like super a, sketch. Not like a super, not like a sus hat. It was just like a, <laughs> like a, just a shade. For shade. Hat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was a tourist, Moberly later wrote, but that her dress was old fashioned and rather unusual. I looked straight at her, but some indescribable feeling made me turn away annoyed at her being there. Moberly and Jordan walked up to the terrace and were guided by a boy to the front drive. Then their trip into the past ended. It would be a week before they spoke to each other of the unusual events of that day. At first, they agreed that the Petit Trianon must be haunted, but they eventually decided that these weren't any ordinary apparitions. Three months after their tour of Versailles, Jordan was preparing a class lesson on the French Revolution when she learned that on August 10th, 1792, 109 years to the day before their encounter, the palace had been besieged and burned by the Paris Commune. The royal family, including the queen, were forced into the Hall of Assembly where they were taken prisoner three days later. The monarchy would be officially abolished the following month. Marie Antoinette was executed on October 16, 1793. Moberly and Jourdain concluded that what they had actually walked into was a vivid memory the queen had conjured during the burning of the palace in 1792, picturing her last peaceful moments at Petit Trianon. It would not be until 10 years later in 1911 that Moberly and Jourdain published The Adventure under the pseudonyms Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont. Oh, I'm so stuffed up. The teachers set out to bolster their supernatural claims in true academic fashion by combing through the French National Archives and researching French history. They compared maps of the Versailles ground. Versailles? Versailles. <laughs> Our French listeners are screaming gonna, at their yeah, phones I'm right just going to say V. They compared maps of the V grounds from 1789 <laughs> and 1901, analyzed the clothing, and made several return visits in an attempt to prove that what they experienced was that of the 18th century rather than the 20th. They concluded that the two gardeners in green were members of the Queen's Swiss Guard. The scary man they ran across was Count de Vaudreuil, who played a role in betraying the Queen. And the pretty woman in the shady hat was Marie Antoinette herself. And the running man was the page who informed her of the incoming mob. The running man. The book was widely popular, being reprinted multiple times in its first year, selling 11,000 copies by 1913 and going through five editions. 
Okay, but along with its popularity came criticism. Some claimed that Moberly and Jourdain's account was overly embellished and not the work of anything supernatural, pointing to inconsistencies between early accounts the pair had sent, and this shows up again, that the pair had sent to the Society of Psychical Research in the book. Other criticisms of the book and the two women were, however, of a more personal nature. Their identities as the authors was an open secret since the women had shared these experiences with family, friends, and colleagues. Being two unmarried, childless women past the usual age for matrimony, some sources say they may have lived together, raised many eyebrows in the first part of the 20th century, and their lack of conformity to the era's expectations for women led to many alternative theories surrounding the encounter. Lucille Eiermonger, what a name, Lucille mm-hmm. Eiermonger, a student at St. Hugh's and a descendant of Count de Vauderel, wrote a scathing and homophobic description of the incident in her 1957 book, The Ghosts of Versailles. Versailles. <laughs> she speculated that the two women were romantically involved and suggested that their tale was in part the result of their, quote, sexual deviancy. Oh, well. My God. Other writers argue that Moberly and Jourdain did witness something out of the ordinary, but it had nothing to do with ghosts or time slips. Or their sexual orientation. Or their sexual orientation. In Prince of Aestes, Count Robert de Montesquieu, I have no idea what this is, speculated that the women had stumbled upon a historical fancy dress party hosted by the dandy poet Robert de Montesquieu and his secretary and lover, Gabriel Yaturi. The guards were other partygoers. The queen was either a woman of his close circle or a man dressed in drag, and the count could have been Montesquieu himself. The idea was that, as two English spinsters, Moberly and Jourdain might have been so unfamiliar with such wild parties that they <laughs> conjured hallucinations instead of understanding their surroundings. So in other words, spinsters. Moberly and Jourdain were either so gay that they hallucinated the <laughs> event or so prudishly straight that they hallucinated the event. Well, gay hallucinations are a thing, didn't <laughs> you know that? I so. Dame Joan Evans, a historian and former student at St. Hugh's, obtained the copyright to the adventure as Jordan's literary executor and accepted Julian's explanation of the events, suspending printing after the fifth edition in 1955. Please come back. Okay. It's, it is a time. It, is a, it does Ooh, refer to time slips. Okay, so that's okay, interesting. okay. Moberly and Jordan, however, never retracted their stories. In 1924, Jourdain became embroiled in a scandal at St. Hugh's after wrongfully firing a tutor. It was clear she would be asked to resign by the college council, but she died of heart failure at the age of 61 before they could do so. Moberly died in 1937 at the age of 90, still telling the story of her adventure to those who would listen. Hmm. So that's one of the most well-known, but there's a lot of controversy about whether or not it actually happened. Sure. Uh, because I guess their accounts changed a lot mm. in telling the story. Okay. But they swore up and down that it actually happened, that they, they really believe that they walked those grounds and were for a moment transported back. Lady of the night. <laughs> I was just going to say Marie Antoinette. They were transported back to Marie Antoinette's time. Mm. So that's like one of the most well-known ones. You know, side note, I always just assumed that the technology behind these things is that they're listening to the words that you're saying yeah. and then finding words associated with what you're saying. Yeah, but... But I don't feel like that's what's been... No, been I used to have out. one of those. And when I had... This is in my haunted apartment, actually. I had it out one day and I was by myself. It was just me and I was making a pizza in the oven. And 
I got up to go check on it and it said pizza, which is weird because <laughs> I never weird. said, I never said a pizza. Right. Like you're walking around your yeah. apartment saying, I'm going to bake a pizza now. <laughs> I'm going to check my pizza right now. <laughs> and it said funny. pizza. I'm like, all right, that's weird. I mean, that to me, that's like the random nodding thing where it pinpointed me on Corey's front door. Yeah, that's weird. You know? I mean, when I watch them using this on the YouTube show, it doesn't seem like it's just taking what they're saying and yeah. spitting out similar yep. or related words. Yep. So, I don't know. I was just curious. I just want to see like what it does. So another one that's kind of well known. This comes from the website jetsprops.com, a February 24th, 2023 article called, quote, Story of Time Travel, Pilot's Eerie Encounter on Airfield. And this one is cool. Like, I like this story. It says. (laughs) (laughs) It says in in the the corner. corner. It keeps like. Wanting to, like, to your laughter, to yeah. Like, is there something weird. back there watching us? Keep an eye on that. That is where the stuff fell off the wall. That is where the stuff. To fell your off. left. That is where. And the st- also where the stuff fell off okay, the wall weird. is in that corner. That is weird. <laughs> okay. It is kind of weird. That's very weird. Go on. Keep keep an eye on that corner. I will. It keeps it keeps wanting me to look in that corner. If I ever reason. do this. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever see you stand up and run just out run. of here, I'll just follow you. <laughs> okay. Right. I still I still occasionally think back to that time when I got up to go upstairs and I thought you were walking behind me yeah. and you hadn't moved from where you were like sitting. Like I said, I'm convinced that there's something here. I don't I know. I think it's very quiet and unassuming, but I think there's something here. Maybe if, if there is, it's only down here. I've never really... Exp- well, I shouldn't say that. So basically that's saying there's a lady of the night in, in the, the corner. corner. Sweet. So when I go to the bathroom later, you can I'm have I'm going to chatter fun. up. I'm yeah. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to drop some. I'm going to drop some riz. <laughs> what? That's what the kids say. It's what short for mean? charisma. Oh, wow! That's like if you have a riz I am line. That's so not cool. If you have a riz, yeah. If you have a riz line, that's your pickup line. Okay, a riz line. Because the students would always ask me what my riz line was. Oh, what is it? I I told them that my riz line was I would go up to a girl in a bar and I'd be like, "Girl, you must be a, you, you must be." <laughs> I go up to a girl, a girl in a bar and I'd be like, "Girl, you must be a math textbook because you look like you got a lot of problems." <laughs> And they're like, Mr. K, they're like, that's the opposite of a Riz line. That's like an L Riz. That's not W Riz. W Riz is winning Riz. Oh, L Riz is losing loser Riz. Riz. Okay. That yeah. would make me laugh out loud, though. It, and yeah. if you can make so, me laugh, yeah. it's, then it's a W Riz. But how do we get how do we get on the... I have no... Okay. Oh, you were going to drop a Riz up the on lady the Lady of the, of the Night, night. In, the, in the corner. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we digress. We digress. <laughs> anyway, from the article... Air Marshal Sir Robert Victor Goddard claimed to have experienced what some call a time slip. Goddard, or is it Goddard? Oh, I just Goddard. Can't, I think Goddard. I can't pronounce today. Goddard, a RAF wing commander, was flying from Scotland to his home base in Andover, England. While traveling from Andover, he chose to take the Drem, the Drem Scotland route. I think Drem must be a city in Scotland. Okay. He chose to take the Drem Scotland route. He flew across a derelict airstrip near Drem. The airfield had been built during World War I. The former airstrip had been converted into a farm with overgrown greenery and deteriorating hangars. Suddenly, a storm began while he was flying over the area. He described his plane as being swamped by powerful winds of the storm's odd brown-yellow clouds. He abruptly lost control of his aircraft, causing it to suddenly plummet. He could see no ground or anything except the strangely colored clouds. But then he flew out of the clouds and into the brilliant bright sunlight. He was still flying over the airfield, but something wasn't right. 
The hangars, which had previously been in disrepair, now appeared brand new. The airbase had four planes on the ground. Those planes were painted yellow, a color never used on RAF planes in 1935. He noticed three familiar biplanes, but one plane appeared foreign to him. The fourth plane was a monoplane, something that the RAF lacked in 1935. There were also mechanics walking around on the ground, although they weren't wearing RAF uniforms. While the RAF mechanics wore an overall brown uniform, these mechanics were wearing a blue outfit. The storm overtook his aircraft again, and when he came out of the cloud, he was back in Andover in the right time. What happened to Victor was labeled a time slip occurrence, since what he saw at Drem Airfield did not exist in 1935. However, in 1939, four years after the incident, the Air Force began painting their planes yellow, a new monoplane was introduced to the airbase, and mechanics overalls were changed to blue uniforms. By 1939, Drem had been turned once more into an airbase. Hmm. So that's um, that's a time slip that into the like future. A time slip, that's yeah. a time slip into the future where he's seeing things and he's like, we don't have blue uniforms. And then four years later, they have all three of these things that he noticed were unique. That's really cool. What, what story, what Stephen King story does that kind of remind you of? The flying into the clouds. The Langoliers. Oh, the Lang. Oh, wow. Which actually showed up a yeah. couple times in my research for this, surprisingly. Okay. Have you seen the previews for The Boogeyman? No. It's a Stephen King. It no. says from the mind of Stephen King. It looks really creepy. Huh, I didn't see it. Entertain the people while I have a sip of my coffee. Um, yeah. There you go. Riveting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good on the spot. <laughs> so this is interesting. Or even when I'm prepared. This, <laughs> this is interesting to me that there is a place in Liverpool in England that has like a highly unusually large number of time slips. It is a street. So this comes from the Liverpool Echo. It says, quote... That's interesting, the Echo. That is interesting. It kind of feels like it it represents a time slip. Okay, go on. Liverpool has its fair share of urban legends, spooky tales, and local myths, but perhaps none are more puzzling than the time slips of Bold Street. Over the years, a number of people claim to have slipped into another time period while walking along the city center street. Bizarrely, those who claimed to have time-traveled along Bold Street were able to recount specific details from the past that they encountered during the experience. We spoke to local paranormal expert Tom Slemon, who recounted one of the time-slip tales of Bold Street. There are areas all over Liverpool and Merseyside that seem to have time-slip hotspots, but the highest saturation of time anomalies is through the thoroughfare of Bold Street in the heart of the city. He says... One of the first time slips I investigated concerned an off-duty policeman from Melling named Frank. One Saturday in July of 1996, Frank and his wife Carol visited Liverpool to do some shopping. At Central Station, the couple split up. Carol went to Dylan's bookshop in Bold Street to purchase a copy of Irvine Welch's book, Train Spotting. Oh, and Frank went to a record store in Ronley Street to look for a CD. Train Spotting started it was a book? Yeah, Train Spotting was a was a really best know yeah. That. Yeah, so it was a book. It's a good movie. It's a really good. I movie. love Train Spotting. Me too. About 20 minutes later, he walked up the incline near the Lyceum which leads onto Bold Street intending to meet up with his wife in the bookshop when he noticed he had somehow entered a dead spot of quietness. Suddenly, a small box fan that looked like something out of the 1950s sped across his path, beeping its horn as it narrowly missed him. Frank noted that the van had the name Kaplan's written on its side. 
Frank crossed the road and saw that the Dillon's bookshop was no longer there. In its place stood a store with the name Crips over its two entrances. The policeman was understandably confused. He looked in the window of Crips and saw no books on display, just women's handbags and shoes. The policeman turned around and noticed that the people on Bold Street were wearing clothes that would have been in vogue in the 40s and 50s. The men wore trilbies and long overcoats, and the women wore scarves, berets, pillbox, and cartwheel hats, and most of the ladies were wearing gloves. Then the possibility that he had somehow walked into the Bold Street of 40-odd years ago dawned on the policeman. Frank saw a girl of about 20 dressed in the clothes of a mid-1990s girl, hipsters and lime-colored sleeveless top. <laughs> the bag she carried had the name Miss Selfridges on it, which really reassured the policeman that he was still somehow partly in 1996, even though he was seeing the present. He smiled at the girl as she walked past him and as she entered Crips. As Frank followed her, the whole interior of the building changed in a flash to the interior of a Dillon's bookshop. The policeman was now back in his own time. He grabbed the girl by the arm at the entrance of the bookshop and asked her, Did you see that? And the girl calmly replied, Yeah, I thought it was a new shop that had just opened. I was going in to look at the clothes, and now it's a bookshop. Oh, interesting. The girl just chuckled, shook her head, and walked out again. When Frank told his wife about the incident, she said that she had not noticed anything strange, but Frank was really adamant that he had not hallucinated the episode. I gave an account of this strange time slip on the Billy Butler show, and within minutes, people were calling me and Billy to tell us that in the late 1950s and early 1960s, there had been a store called Crips in the exact location where Dylan's bookshop now stands, and there also had been a firm called Kaplan's in existence around the same time. So that's weird. Mm -hmm. And it's weird that the girl th saw from our too. time saw it too, mm -hmm. but she just kind of brushed it off. So more stuff about this from a February 13th. She's like crazy time slips. Yep. Whatever. From a February 13th, 2019 article on medium.com called, quote, the Liverpool time slips and mysterious occurrences in Bold Street. The article says, <coughs> it doesn't say cough. <laughs> the article says, the second story concerns a young girl by the name of Imogen. Is that how you pronounce Imogene? it? Imogene. Imogene? Sure. Wow. We're bad at We're, stuff. I'm bad at pronouncing today. I'm sorry. <laughs> She decided to go into Liverpool to buy her sister Abigail a few things for her, new, for her new baby. Upon arriving, she was happy to see a new mother's care store that had opened on the corner of Lord Street and Whitechapel. She wandered around the store and picked up a few baby items such as cardigans, baby bibs, and gloves. She was surprised to see how cheap the items were, but thought that they were on sale as the store had just opened. Taking them to the counter, she tried to pay with her credit card. The staff member looked at her suspiciously and went to get the manager. When she came back and looked at when she came back, the manager looked at the card and told her that they didn't take these kinds of cards. So, disappointed, she went and put the items back since she didn't have any cash with her. When she got home, she told her mother what had happened. Her mother was surprised and puzzled. Her mom said, quote, That store closed years ago. There's a bank there now. That's where I have my bank account. Not believing her, Imogen took Imogen took her mother back to the same place the next day. Sure enough, the store was not there. It was a bank, just as her mother had told her. Hmm. And it's so weird that all of these are like revolving around this section of Liverpool, mm -hmm. this street. The third tale is of a young man named Sean who, while shoplifting in Liverpool back in 2006, ran away from a security guard and headed down Hanover Street. Trying to shake off the guard, Sean, who was 19, turned to a dead-end street called Brooks Alley. By this time, he was out of breath and started to get a tight sensation in his chest. He soon realized that 
the tight sensation wasn't actually a problem with him, but the atmosphere that was surrounding him. He waited for the guard to come around the corner after him, but he never showed up. So thinking that he had given him the slip, he walked back out and started to walk down Hanover Street again, but soon realized that something was wrong. The road looked different, and so did the pavement. He noticed cars driving by that looked very old-fashioned, and the roadworks that he knew were there were now gone. Soon he saw that the people around him were all wearing strange clothes. Crossing over to Bold Street, he noticed that there were traffic lights where there weren't any traffic lights before, and bushes growing around the Lyceum near a bar that he recognized. He kept on walking. Soon he began to feel that something was not quite right. Then he began to panic. He realized that he had somehow stepped back in time, and this was not going away. Then he remembered his cell phone. He took it out of his pocket and tried to get a signal, but of course it didn't work. Eventually, he began to really panic, but soon spotted a kiosk selling newspapers and headed over. Leaning over the kiosk, he took a look at the front page of the Daily Post. There, in bold lettering, was the date, May 18th, 1967. Hmm. He wondered what to do. What happens if he can't... I feel like I would pass out in that moment. (laughs) You know what I mean? What happens if he can't get back to his own time? So speeding up his pace, he reached H. Samuel the jeweler and tried his phone once again. This time it worked. Sighing with relief, he looked around and realized that he had now returned to the present. But the strange thing was, he could still see, down at the end of the road, people still walking around in 1967. By this time, Sean had seen enough and got onto a bus to go home. When he was interviewed by the local newspaper later, he stated over four times the exact account. Now, you may think that Sean was making the story up to escape from the guard, but the strange tale didn't end there. When the security guard was finally tracked down and interviewed, he stated that when he ran after Sean and turned down the dead-end alley after him, he said that Sean had completely disappeared. When the newspaper checked out the facts of Sean's story, they found that everything he said was historically accurate. Wow. So, we should take a trip to Bold Street now. Let's do it. But like you said, uh, there's like a weird fear of being... But if I'm stuck back in the 70s, I'm cool with that. Yeah, right? You know. Same. Okay. And lastly, from a book called A Miscellany of Merseyside Mysteries by R.J. Gandy. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. John Moonen of We're All tells a story about a fellow music technology student at Liverpool Community College from back in October. What was it? That's mine. Okay. (laughs) From back in October 2005 when they were both 22 years of age. I wonder if it's still referring to this corner. I know, right? That's the corner. That's my corner. Oh, maybe. That morning, while John and colleagues were waiting in class, Paul arrived for the lesson looking quite shaken. He explained that around 8.30 a.m., he had been about to cross Ranley Street slash Hanover Street at the top of Church Street, ready to walk up Bold Street. It was cold and raining, and he was looking down at the pavement as he had no umbrella or hood. It was then that he heard the sound of a horse and a cart. He looked up to see a very old horse and cart crossing his path and carrying passengers dressed in Victorian-style dress. The surroundings were also different and consistent with that era. His immediate reaction was to presume that he had stumbled into a filming location, so he hurried a bit further up Bold Street, again looking at the ground because of the weather. When he reached the steps on the left, he paused briefly and turned back to look to see if he could see anyone filming. But now everything appeared normal again and there was no sign of the horse and cart or period clothing and the surroundings were back to normal. Paul's very shaken demeanor was that of another was that was such that another fellow student decided to search for similar stories. This resulted in him finding all these other accounts of similar time slips on Bold Street, of which there are many examples. So I think that's so interesting that so many of them 
Why is it all concentrated in that area? Um, one of the, I don't know if I get into this in here. I don't think I do. But one of what started was somebody originally theorized that it was an electrical thing, because they said if you look at maps of Liverpool, the underground train mm. goes in a circular Ooh. pattern and it's centered underneath Bold Street. Oh. That's so that kind of became gospel, but then other people said, no, it was the way the map was designed, but it doesn't actually go in a circular pattern underneath Bold Street. Hmm. But now a lot hmm. of the accounts I read said that that's why, is because there's like a circular electrical pattern, but that's not true. Okay. So why it's happening on that street, so many of these are in England. Like, it's, Yeah, that's odd. It's crazy that I would say out of all the ones that I read, and like even the Phantom Diner ones... A lot of the stuff that I read were from England. Like uh, England is very much a time slip hotspot. Were there any from Wisconsin? I don't remember. There's a really good Phantom Diner story <coughs> I heard on Jim Harold years ago that took place at a, a diner up north in northern Wisconsin. I, I think it's a that, really good story. I think I might have seen Wisconsin. I like I said, the whole second half of this episode is going to be stories about Phantom Diners, and I think I Can't remember wait. something Wisconsin. Yeah, like time slips are interesting, but the Phantom Diner stuff. I love, but then on the other hand, it's Reddit. and Could all be made But up. even if one or two of those are true, then yeah. it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. You know, but then somebody to this article responded. They said, quote, I've seen one of these time slips. I can give a firsthand account. When I was 20, so about 24 years ago, I was making my way through Liverpool to see my girlfriend. I needed to catch a train from Central Station, which as you may know, is right in the area of Bold Street. So as usual, I... What did I say? She won't leave. Is that the lady of the night in the corner? <laughs> I don't know. I'm starting to get creeped out by that thing. I think between episodes, we're going to ask some questions yeah. specific to that. I'm starting to get creeped out by that. A little bit. So as usual, I walked down the large ramp that led from Bold Street into the station and towards the entrance at the far end. Casually glancing around, I really wasn't paying much attention. Man on a mission at all. My lady was waiting. I shot a look to the right and registered something odd straight away. My pace slowed, though I kept walking. There on the right was a coffee shop. It had sprung up out of nowhere. At the time, I thought it was odd as my girlfriend and I often went to places around there and only the other day had walked right down the same ramp and that cafe, the coffee shop was definitely not there then and neither had anyone been working on any shop in that area. To make the situation even stranger, everyone in the coffee shop and the few that were sat outside were dressed in very old clothes. I'm guessing now, looking back, it must have been around the 1900s. The women that I saw were wearing large hats and looked very out of place. My first thoughts were, quote, is something being filmed? And maybe it was just a special day the cafe was doing and everyone was getting dressed up. So I just put down my lack of noticing it there before as being one down to age and not really paying attention. I glanced ahead to make sure I wasn't going to walk into someone. And when I immediately looked back, the cafe was now gone. Oh, At the time, I just put it down to me being weird, but it was only recently that I heard about time slips and made the connection, and it bugs me to this day that I didn't just walk over to the cafe and talk to the people there. Mm. However, I was really freaked out, and while others have said, quote, I'd ask someone to look me up, I can assure you that the actual event is so disconcerting that you don't think along those lines at the time. The first emotion you experience is fear and an overriding sense that something is very wrong. I think what's so crazy about it is that you look away and you look back and it's gone or, yeah. or totally changed. Yep. Like, how can it happen that quickly? Yep. And then he write, he goes on to write, it's odd that others don't seem to witness the event at the same time. And I'd have thought that such activity would be recorded on the cameras in the area. 
My theory is that it is just you that is transported in time, hence the story of Sean the Thief in 1967 where the guard said that he just vanished. This would explain why the event is limited to just one person, but it also explains why nothing would be found at any move or any camera in the nearby location. I'm certainly convinced that time slips exist. Had I not seen one with my own eyes, I, like so many others, would just put it down to various other factors and chalk it up to odd stuff that people don't believe in. And then somebody else comments, and this is a good point. I wonder if there are any people out there who lived in Liverpool during the 50s and 60s and can recall... Jesus, it scared me. What did it say? (laughs) Camera. I just did say camera because I was talking about you the did? cameras. Yeah, I was oh. talking about the cameras, about the whether or not the cameras would catch the cafe being there oh, when it was right. supposed to be. Yes. And then somebody writes, I wonder if any people out there that lived in Liverpool during the 50s and 60s can recall seeing odd people wearing unusual clothing, holding weird contraptions, and that appeared out of nowhere and disappeared again within minutes. It would be very interesting to hunt down these kind of people and collaborate these stories. Yes, it Which would. is true. That's actually a really cool thought. It is. Like, But then, you know, I might get into that a little bit here. So this comes from a January 9th, 2022 Psychology Today article called, quote, Time Slips, the Multiverse, and You. The article says, The nature of time is one of the biggest mysteries in science. Scientists simply do not understand what time is, at least partially because it does not behave the same way in all circumstances. For example, clocks installed on airplanes or even further away on satellites record time at different rates than they do here on Earth. We all know that time has a physical component that is measured by clocks. This physical component of time exists because things and people move around in space. The motion of the earth propels time forward in a 24-hour day and 365-day year. We physically experience time because we experience ourselves and things moving around. This is obviously true when you think about different time zones. It isn't the same time in New York as it is in Sydney because the earth is moving. In fact, we are all traveling in time at about one second per second. This physical, component, this physical component of time was explained by Einstein, who, more than 100 years ago, revolutionized the idea of how time works. He theorized that time and space are linked together. He also found that the universe has a speed limit of sorts, the speed of light. So while time and space are linked, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. But what about otherwise credible reports made by those who have claimed to travel faster than the speed of light? What about reports of actual time travel? The internet is filled with stories about people insisting they experience jumps in time, which are not merely one second per second, but decades or even hundreds of years. These time anomalies, or time slips, are paranormal episodes during which someone or a group of people somehow experience traveling through time without knowing how or why it occurred. In one account, in Oklahoma in the 1970s, three workers were picking up cattle feeder equipment from a farm and noticed a white house on the property. When they came back the next day, however, the house was not only not there, and there was no sign of it ever having been there, yet all three workers saw the same exact thing the prior day. One explanation, the house had existed in a different moment in time, which they collectively experienced as reality. Whether or not stories like these are to be believed by others, the people who recount them certainly believe them. Given what we know now and what we don't know about how time works, how might these happen? One explanation is a credible but controversial scientific theory called the multiverse theory. The multiverse theory says that an infinite number of worlds exist along different paths in time, which arise out of each passing moment, suggesting that different things happen in each universe. We've covered that Mm -hmm. in, in parallel universes. Yep. 
it sounds not only preposterous, but also like a lot of work for the universe. <laughs> Imagine a new universe tra- traveling along its own unique timeline created out of every possible moment of time. This theory suggests that there might be an infinite number of universes, but it also explains how time slips might be real. Whether or not the multiverse or something is causing this is yet to be proven by scientists. But the theories are intriguing and they solve at least one famous problem scientists have with time travel, which is the grandfather paradox. The grandfather paradox states that if you were to go back in time and kill your grandfather before your father was born, then you wouldn't exist in the first place to kill him. And that's like a huge thing with time travel is the grandfather paradox. Yeah. The multiverse theory solves that paradox and that you could kill a copy of your grandfather in an alternate universe. And therefore still you would have been born in your universe. Of course, it leaves open the question of how you travel between universes in the first place. Maybe someone experiencing a time slip will one day come back and explain how that works. I'm going to travel in time and come back. <laughs> Said you. That's a little creepy. Um, It'd be great podcast material. Yeah, it would be great podcast material. <laughs> And from a May 17, 2021 Daily Star article called, quote, Thousands of Brits Lost in the Past as Cracks in Time Spread, claims researcher. Article says, A paranormal researcher claims that thousands of people could be lost in the past after falling through cracks in time. Rodney Davies says that the phenomenon of time slips, where people are convinced they've traveled in time, are all too real. Rodney, author of Time Slips, Journeys into the Past and Future, says, quote, It's possible some people have slipped to the past and ended up stuck because thousands of people do go missing every year. Britain's time-hopping hotspots are Devon, Cornwall, and Kent, but Bold Street in Liverpool is the most famous for its bizarre phenomenon. Some believe the subway in Liverpool that runs under the area has created a rip in time because it travels in concentric circles. Some theorize those who experience time slips Time slips have stepped outside the narrow confines of normal human consciousness and are seeing time as it really exists, with the past, present, and future all happening at the same time in a loop. Critics question why no old photos have surfaced of time travelers carrying modern devices such as iPhones, but there are reports that Mm -hmm. some people think that has, but I don't think it has. But those who believe in the theory say that some travelers would soon realize that there were no uh, towers to carry the phone signals and their batteries would have quickly died. And that's one of my biggest problems I have with this is, you know, I don't, I don't really get into them in here, but there's stories of people seeing a car show up at like a gas station that looks like it's from the future and it shouldn't even exist. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why don't we see that happening more often? Mm-hmm. You know, I've never seen anything like no, that. No. Like, why wasn't I at Love's this morning getting my coffee and all of a sudden a 2038 Ford something multiverse pulls into the lot you know so like, why i don't know probably it's just wouldn't like, run on gas yeah that's true that's a <laughs> so good point why would it be at the gas station so it's interesting it's like if if i time slip now and go into the past and it's actually a parallel universe why isn't that happening to us from people in another parallel universe popping into ours why do not why don't we see more but isn't that potentially what ghosts are to begin with that is that's exactly where i was going with this Mm -hmm. that's potentially what ghosts are is if we're in a haunted location and all of a sudden we see the figure like when when like when we went to the ohio state reformatory mansfield when we saw that figure on the 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 walkway ahead of us who's to say that wasn't somebody from a uh that wasn't a time slip. That wasn't an actual ghost. And they were a, seeing you like, were oh my God, us, I just like, saw th- three yeah, or two figures. Yeah. So who's to say yeah. that's what ghosts are, are, you know, ghosts could easily be 
people coming through from time slips. EVPs could be bleed something bleeding through from another multiverse. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. We're going to get more into that, I think, when we get our question at the end, because our question at the end kind of involves this. So we'll maybe hold off on that. Okay. But it's just like, I don't know. Like, I love the idea of time slips, but I feel like, I feel like there would be more. Right. But like we also said earlier, I mean, if our memory gets wiped, we could be time, time slipping all the time and we just don't realize it. It's like a strange um, self-preservation You know, I mechanism. always think about that weird time, and I think I've talked about it on here, when I was driving on Memorial Drive in Manitowoc, and I was near, it's a roundabout now, but it used to be just a curve that goes past the lake, mm-hmm. you know, onto Waldo. It's a crazy roundabout, right? Yeah, but uh-huh. I, I was driving, driving, just looking at the lake while I was driving, and all of a sudden there was this white flash, like this brilliant white flash, and I felt like I was out of it for a second and I came back and it was never told me about this I think I talked about it on here it was just like this really? weird white flash it was just like a second where all of a sudden it was like everything went boom like it was just a white flash and I was like what the hell was that huh. you know I mean I didn't feel weird but I was like something just happened and what if that wasn't like me going into a, a time from... slip and then coming back and not remembering that I mm-hmm. went into a time slip because that little moments always stuck with me because it was so weird it yeah. was like something significant happened but I don't know what it was and you can't explain I, yeah it. I can say exactly I can point out exactly where I was when it happened I mm-hmm. know exactly where I was in the road because I was just driving looking at the lake and all of a sudden it was just like one dazzling explosion of light and then it was go- gone that's crazy uh-huh Okay, a couple glitch stories. Um, bum, bum, bum. Do I want to do these? A couple glitch stories. What time are we looking at? Uh, an hour and 26 minutes. Actually, let's jump into the... Let's jump into the second half. Okay. Phantom because Diner. I have a lot of stories in the second half. Okay. The the glitch the the time slip stories I might save for when we have another all stories episode. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when we did our spooky like the woods one? one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I have a lot of Phantom Diner stories and I want to tackle those here because I love these stories. So a Phantom Diner, obviously, like we kind of talked about with time slips, is where people stop at a diner, go in and they really like it, or there's something odd about it, and then when they go back there the next week, it's gone. It never existed. There's like or it's just, been closed for or it's been years. closed for fifty years. Like, isn't that sort of doesn't Captain Coochie's key lime pie kind of feel kind like of, that? Kind of. Kind like of. it's a place that maybe existed. It's a long believed time that it did ago. exist. Yeah. But why Captain Coochie is still posting all that stuff online so is strange. the question. Yeah. Ugh, Captain Coochie. Um <laughs> But that that's kind of what these are. But there's also what's weird is that like the two common places when I was reading stories of these, there's other places obviously, but the two most common places where these happen are diners and gas stations. Okay. And if you think about it, both a lot of, of traffic. Yeah, well, both of them are what they kind of call liminal, liminal, like liminality is like a big thing now on Reddit. There's like a whole subreddit devoted to liminal picture, liminal photography, liminal space photography, yeah. where it's like a hallway. Like liminal space is a space where it's almost like a space that connects two more permanent places. Okay. Like diners and gas stations are places you stop at just momentarily. When you're on your when way, you're on your way to somewhere else. Yeah, okay. I so get that's it. why that's one of the reasons people think that this stuff happens with these kinds of places is because they're liminal it's places. It's a pass through it's a okay. pass through kind of place. Makes sense. 
So the first story, and I got a bunch of stories because I love, this is like the section that I'm super fascinated with because I've always loved Phantom Diner stories. There's some in here that are just weird. Uh, so this first one says, quote, I posted this a couple years ago on a different thread. I was a vehicle mechanic in the Army Reserves when I was younger. On one overnight drill, we drove a convoy of trucks from Baltimore to Fort AP Hill, Virginia on the old state highways. Things started out pretty normally, but as we were driving, the convoy gradually starts slowing down, and after a while, the whole line of trucks has slowed to a crawl. We pulled off the road, and the guy in the lead truck tells us his 5-ton won't accelerate at all. We switch trucks, and sure enough, it won't go above 5 miles an hour. I dropped the truck out of the convoy, and my motor sergeant stayed with me in a pickup truck. About a half hour later, we happen across an old gas station and decide that we are not going anywhere fast, so we will park the truck there. I was to remain with the truck until they could come back later and transfer everything to a different truck. So off drives my motor sergeant, and I am out in the middle of nowhere, Maryland, with nobody around. It starts getting dark, and I see the lights are on, and the restaurant is open at the gas station, and I am hungry as hell, so I go in. What did it say? Revolting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Talking about a restaurant and food, so it's, it's fitting. I sit down in a booth by the window where I can keep an eye on the truck and a lady comes up and asks me what I want to eat. I ask her if I can have a menu and she says she doesn't have one, but they have fried chicken and mashed potatoes and that sounded pretty good to me, so I ordered it. I was starving and it was the best damn fried chicken I had ever eaten in my life. I finish, I get the bill, leave my money on the table and walk back out to the truck. I stayed awake for a while, but eventually I laid down across the seat and slept a few hours. Now at about 2 or 3 in the morning, another truck shows up with a bunch of guys and we start transferring gear to the other truck. One of the guys says, you must be starving. And I say, no, I ate at the restaurant. Well, this guy gives me the strangest look and says, you need to eat at that restaurant. Look at it. Well, it's the middle of the night and I can't see the building that well. And I just told him he was crazy and we leave. I slept a couple hours and then we had to go back in the morning to deal with this broken down truck. And that's when I had a major WTF moment. All the windows to the station are boarded up and the place looks like it had been abandoned for 20 years. At this point, I am seriously weirded out. So I go in to peek through the dust covered glass on the door that was uncovered and see my money still sitting on the table. Come on. I couldn't get away from that place fast enough. That is the part so that got me. Yeah. So that's like, a, that's a phantom diner story. Like he was these, in there. Yeah. He put money on the table. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so that's like a Phantom Diner story where it's like, like I'm fascinated by the Phantom Diner that stories. That chills a yeah, little bit. Yeah, so that's, you know, but again, it's Reddit. I'm, I tried, right. ones that were very obviously made up, I tried to weed out. Mm -hmm. And this could easily be made up, but I have so many Let's of these. And, it's a, real. <laughs> and a, at least one or two of these are real. Yeah. And it's like, then they're creepy. But then also, a lot of this, you know, I think, I don't know if we're going to even get to theories at the end, but so much of this could be attributed to the fact that we forget stuff. Our memories are so crappy. I feel like that's not that kind of story, though. Like, he had food. Yeah. But and when, but when, with when I stop at a bar in the middle of nowhere, and I want to go back and I can't find it. That could just be my poor sense of direction. Sure. That's, you know, that that's might be totally why valid. I can't find it. Yeah. But that's like a perfect example of a phantom diner story. Yes. I love Especially that. Especially with the money still on the table. Yes. That little detail got me. The next story says, this happened last year and I still can't explain it. For years, my mom and I go grocery shopping together every weekend. On our way there, we always pass a diner that has been closed down and boarded up for the last decade. It's falling apart, the grass is overrun, there's graffiti all over it, and the windows are broken. Right when quarantine shutdowns began last year, we went a few weeks without grocery shopping because we had stocked up beforehand to last us a month or so. When we went to go again, we passed the diner... What did I say? Sarah. That's weird. 
Maybe the lady in the corner's the corner name is Sarah. is Sarah. When we went to go again, we passed a diner, and both of us at the same time exclaimed that it was now up and running. We were at a red light and had plenty of time to really look at it. We made comments about how quickly they fixed it all up and made it look beautiful. The grass was mowed and flowers had been planted. The parking lot was filled with cars and tons of people were inside. The graffiti was all gone and the windows were fixed. Lights were strung around the windows and the place was gorgeous. We both talked about how quickly they must have done that over the last month and how glad we received that it was finally being put to use. Two days later, we passed the same area again, and both of us were stunned when we saw it being back in ruins, overrun, and boarded up. I googled the place, and it said it's been that way for a decade, and there were no mention of anything opening in its place. In fact, there were plans to demolish it altogether. We can't explain what we both clearly saw. Hmm. And that's so weird. Mm-hmm. When both of you see the place is like busy, and there's there's flowers. You know, when it's one person, that's one thing. But two people say yeah. that, and then realizing that it's still boarded up and closed down. That would be such a disconcerting thing. It would be. I would feel like... A time... Like something like a Phantom Diner thing, I've never had happen in my life. That's one thing that I have never had happen. I feel like you would feel like the rug had just been ripped out from under you. Yeah, especially if you were somebody that didn't believe in paranormal stuff and Mm -hmm. weirdness and all of a sudden like something like this happens. Um. Okay. I'm pausing. Okay. This next, I got a couple weird diner stories in here too, not just necessarily phantom ones. This next one says, quote, a friend and I were driving semi-aimlessly in the back country out in the western USA. This happened in eastern Oregon. We had been camping at various places and we had no real agenda. We were driving back roads to sightsee and taking the long way to eventually get to where we were going, which was quite far away, but we had no time constraint to get there. I wish I, that sounds so nice. It does. <coughs> This one day started normal as we drove the back roads, but then partway through the day, things got a little strange. Like the weather completely changed and the sky just felt and looked, quote, different. I justified it as the weather just shifting and coming in fast like it can sometimes do in the mountains, but it wasn't exactly that. We kept driving, and at one point the road curved around the hills as it does, and we ended up driving through a main street of a small town like we had done several times. It was a standard small town with some ranch-slash-farming properties at the edge, little houses, and what looked like business fronts that didn't see much activity, and a diner down at the far end. At first I saw the diner and immediately said, hey, let's stop for lunch, as I have had good experience with great diners in small towns having some local delicacies like great pies or milkshakes. But as we kept driving into the town, a strange feeling crept over me. The strangeness of that day had increased in intensity and it was starting to get worse. We were driving quite slow and it almost felt like the air was thicker, if that makes any sense. As we approached the diner, we saw the first person in town on the opposite side of the street in the front yard of a house. The person had walked to their short fence and were just staring at us as we drove up and past them. No real expression on their face or reaction to us. Maybe just a small town that rarely sees visitors. As we approached the diner, we saw all of the people inside the diner looking out at us. People sitting on booths, people sitting at behind the counter. Every single person inside the diner was staring out the window at us. Nope. <laughs> That's so creepy. Move the along. Place, the place had a real <laughs> 50s or 60s kind of diner vibe to it, and I don't recall any particular sign or name. Nor do I recall anything special about the cars and trucks in the parking lot or around town. Although not one car drove on the road in either direction while we were there. I said to my friend something about not feeling hungry anymore and why don't we keep going? And she said, quote, yes, this place isn't right. We both felt strong vibes to get out of there. 
So instead of turning into the diner's parking lot, I just downshifted the car and we sped out of town. The act of leaving immediately made me feel a little better. I couldn't help but to keep looking back at the diner and could see that everyone just kept watching us as we went down the road. That's so creepy to me. There was a fork in the road at the end of town. What did it say? Stupid. (laughs) There was a fork in in the road at the end of town and I just took a right turn and kept going, seemingly compelled to just flee the place. We didn't even check the map. It wasn't until a couple hours later that we actually talked about it again or even looked at a map when things no longer felt the same strange way. I can't recall the name of the town even though we were looking at maps all during the trip. I can recall nearly the entire rest of the trip, where we drove, where we camped, where we got hotels, etc. But looking on maps for that place, I can't find it and I have never been able to find that diner or that town since that day. But that may be more of a function of my memory than anything else but everything just felt off that day. That's creepy. That's so creepy. That's like a Twilight Zone kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Like everybody's looking at you through the window. Mm -hmm. It's just so creepy. Next one says, A friend's story, but he is adamant that it happened, and he seems truly sincere about it. He decided to move out to the near country, not quite true countryside, but definitely beyond the suburbs, shortly after the pandemic started as his employer made work from home for his position permanent. When he first drove out to take a look at the new house he would end up buying, he said he spotted Yes. Yes. He said he spotted a little restaurant a few miles from where his would be home, and he said it looked like a waffle house, but it was named Shirley's Grill. If you've never seen a waffle house, they have great big windows on two to three sides of the building so one can easily look inside, even when driving by from a decent distance. He said he stopped in the parking lot to make some phone calls as he drives an old Jeep without any kind of phone integration or hands free system. After he finished up his calls, he looked inside the restaurant and noticed that one of the cooks were leaning on the counter inside with his head resting in his hands, watching him. He said it was a white guy, freckles, had a cook's hat on, but and long red hair spilling out. He said that he got a good look at the guy, they made eye contact, and he remembers his face well, and he also remembers strangely there being a poster of Jesus hanging on a wall upside down, what? and several patrons all apparently dining by themselves. Several weeks later, when he was moving in, he drove by that spot and was shocked to see that there was absolutely no restaurant. There weren't even signs that any property had been demolished, no trace of a parking lot, just grass. He said he was stunned, kind of in a state of shock. Moments later, he pulled into the driveway of his new home and sat in his car in silence until the movers arrived around 10 minutes later. That's so weird. That's creepy. That's so weird. You know, like, I don't know. I love stories like that. Yeah. The upside down Jesus poster was an odd detail yeah. that almost felt a little made up, yeah. but yeah. But the rest of it is so, like so humdrum. It's just mm-hmm. like this guy, this cook or whatever, just sitting there in his hands and his his people head in his hands, by watching themselves. and people eating by themselves. Hmm. Okay, this next one is a big one. This one, actually, I believe, thinking sideways did a whole episode about this. Okay, and this is one that comes you find it on the internet a lot. So this is, this is one of the more popular ones. Somebody writes, My best friend found this subreddit. He told me I need to share this story. It's kind of weird and unbelievable. I have no proof it happened, but if you want to hear my story, gather around. In the winter of 2009, my brother and I took a road trip from Portland, Oregon to Port St. Lucie, Florida, and back again. That's a heck of a long trip. Mm-hmm. We made the trip to visit my sister who lives in Port St. Lucie. She and her husband just had their first child, and my brother and I were excited to see the newborn. On the trip to Port St. Lucie, we took a combination of freeways from the northwest all the way down to the southeast corner, basically a diagonal route. But several times throughout our voyage, we were tremendously delayed by snow. 
The trip, which should have taken no more than three days, ended up taking five days. Because of this delay, we had to cut short our visit with our sister's family. On the trip back to Portland, we decided to take I-10 the entire way. This stretch of freeway runs all the way from Florida to Los Angeles and would completely keep us away from the snow. The I-10 route added several hundred miles, but we both needed to be home for work the following Monday, and this was a surefire way not to be delayed. The first day of the return trip was uneventful, but we did manage to drive 1,300 miles from Port St. Lucie to San Antonio before stopping for the night. The plan was to make it all the way to Las Vegas the next night, which would leave us with about a 14-hour final day drive. The trip was going well. It wasn't until we left San Antonio that the glitches started happening. The car we took on this trip was a 2008 Honda Civic Hybrid. The entire trip we had been getting right around 35 MPGs, this is digitally displayed on the dash, so we had become very aware of how many miles we could squeeze out of a tank. We knew to refuel around 350 miles, but we also knew we could stretch that number into the low 400s if need be. About 100 miles out of San Antonio, I noticed the fuel gauge was dropping noticeably faster than usual, so I clicked the button to change the dashboard display only to see the car was barely getting 26 miles per gallon. At first I was shocked, but I reasoned it to possibly driving uphill the entire way. I still don't know. I thought throughout the course of an entire tank of fuel that it would eventually balance itself out and we would finish the tank within that 35 mpg range. I was wrong. I kept a very detailed log of this entire trip, and this one stop in Fort Stockton, Texas is the only anomaly in the entire book. The car, which had consistently held around 35 miles per gallon, suddenly finished an entire tank off at 25.8 miles per gallon. And some people theorize that they might have gotten gas at a gas station that watered it down. Oh, sure. Or did something to... That could be. You know... That is over a 100-mile difference in the vehicle's normal range. I still to this day cannot figure out why there was such a drastic shift in fuel consumption in that 300-mile stretch from San Antonio. I've reflected on that tank of gas several times since this happened, and I've almost come to the conclusion that it was an intentional glitch in order to make us pull over where we did. Our original plan was to refuel about 50 miles later in a town that I cannot remember, but we obviously ran short on fuel. Anyway, with our GPS program to Las Vegas, Nevada, we headed back onto the road in which the GPS directed. Pretty soon after we got back on the road, we realized we were no longer on I-10 heading west. Instead, we were north on Highway 285. Here's a today I learned for some people. Evenly numbered highways and freeways are heading east and west, while odd numbered are north and south. Which I, I didn't know until I read didn't this. Didn't know that either. <laughs> We didn't think much about being we didn't think much about being off the interstate because many times throughout the drive we had been directed onto bypass highways. We assumed this was just another instance. Say that again. What? The highway numbers. Evenly numbered highways and freeways are heading east and west, while odd numbered highways are north south. Mm, I can already think of something that contradicts that. Oh, that's what they say. Okay. After about an hour and a half of driving on Highway 285, we crossed into New Mexico, which was about two hours earlier than we should have crossed the border. By this time, we realized that GPS thought this was a more efficient way to go to Vegas, even though by all accounts, it's about an hour faster if we had just stayed on 10. We were annoyed, but decided to just stick it out with the GPS and kept heading north through New Mexico. Check to make sure this is on. Okay. <laughs> Nearly five hours after refueling in Fort Stockton, my brother and I were hungry and decided it was time to find somewhere to eat. Driving through this part of New Mexico, it's kind of lonely. There are very few towns, and where there are towns, they are small and are on the verge of becoming ghost towns. I think their economies are built around helping travelers fill up their gas tanks. Other than that, I can't see a reason for them to exist. <coughs> My brother... <clears throat> 
Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, have a drink. Entertain you, the listeners. Are you ready, Kurt? Entertain the listeners. Um, every time you tell me to do that, I draw a total <laughs> blank. I'm like a deer in the I headlights. I was listening to a, um, a podcast, a Jim Harold one yesterday, actually about coincidences and synchronicities and about how they said the guy actually has like a page called Coincider. Like he's like a big name cons- uh, coincidence guy. Jim Harold? No, the guy oh, that he, the was guy he was interviewing. And the guy said, okay. if you want to kickstart synchronicities, he says, take a road trip. Because he said, that's when synchronicities happen because you are getting out of your mm. routine into new areas where stuff is more likely to happen. Hmm. So That's interesting because Jim and I just drove to Kansas. I don't know. Nothing that jumps out at me. Oh, yeah. Back to the article. She continues. I think it's a she continues. My brother and I have talked about what happened next so many times, but we still cannot figure it all out. We passed through a small town with a couple of gas stations, and we know the name of the town was Vaughn, New Mexico. And then about 20 miles later, we drove through a town called Encino, New Mexico, which did not have a gas station that we can recall. In fact, the second town didn't really seem to have much of anything there. I wasn't even sure if anyone was living there. I seem to remember questioning why it existed in the first place, but then quickly dismissed it and drove right through. Not even 10 miles after passing through Encino, we surprisingly came upon a city or town that wasn't loaded into the GPS. This wasn't a big deal because I was using a cheap handheld that lost its signal all the time, but usually the only things it didn't display were newly built roads and recently constructed areas. This city was definitely not brand new, so I just figured the GPS was being buggy. The oddest part of finding the city, neither of us remember seeing any warning that we were coming up on a town of this size. It had several fast food joints, restaurants, hotels, motels, grocery stores, I think in Albertsons, and even some bars. If I were to guess, I would say this city was probably ten to 20,000 people. We decided to pull off and grab a bite to eat. Normally, we probably would have grabbed some fast food, but my brother saw a Ruby Tuesdays and really wanted to try it out. There were a couple of Ruby Tuesdays around the Portland area at the time, but neither of us had eaten there. We had just heard that it had a pretty good salad bar, and I guess my brother was in the mood for something other than fast food. I went along with the suggestion because I was sick of eating junk. And then in parentheses, it says, for, this rest, for the rest of this story, I will be N and my brother will be G. So we pulled into the Ruby Tuesdays parking lot, got out of the car and walked into the restaurant. Immediately upon entering, a waitress who was milling around the hostess station says, quote, oh my word, is that N and G? Both my brother and I answered that it was indeed us and the waitress went on to ask how life was in Portland. Suddenly it clicked. This girl knows who we are, but we are over a thousand miles away from home. Did we know her from back home? My brother and I both give very basic, vague answers to her question, and I could tell that she was kind of unsettled that my brother and I were being evasive. When we were seated, my brother immediately asked me where we knew her from, which was the same question I was just about to ask him. I told him that I had no idea who she was and that she must obviously have mistaken us with some other people. With the same names from the same place. No more than a minute later, this male bartender sees us, comes up and says, no way, GNN, are you guys back for jobs? What? My brother went on to tell the guy that they had us mistaken with some other people. He laughed and dismissed my brother's response as a joke. The bartender continued on seamlessly and started asking us how we fared in the three-month anatomy and physiology courses we had taken at Oregon State. I remember thinking all of a sudden, this isn't a coincidence anymore. My brother and I had taken a three-month, 15-credit A&P class at Portland State University when we were in our early 20s. We were in our late 20s when this interaction happened. Finally, I asked the guy exactly where they knew us from, and he just kind of paused and started looking me over. And then he said, quote, oh, damn, you guys just look really similar to some people that used to work here. 
He apologized and claimed he had to get back to work. After a bit, our food came, and my brother and I noticed they had switched out our waitress from the girl who recognized us. <laughs> what did it say? This is strange. <laughs> it's so I weird. I would say yes. It's so weird. After a bit, our food came, and my brother and I noticed that they had switched out our waitress from the girl who recognized us, recognized us when we walked in. That wasn't a big deal, although a bit strange. Next, a guy who I can only guess was the manager starts walking over to our table with a big smile on his face. As he gets with... What say? I can't leave. <laughs> As he gets within about 10 feet of us, he kind of starts looking over my head and stops. I think someone behind us was directing him not to talk to us. After he received the message, he sharply turned 90 degrees and walked away without saying a word. <laughs> this is so That's weird. weird. This had quickly become the most awkward meal of our lives. It went from people acting like it was a celebration for us to have shown up to everyone avoiding eye contact with us at all cost. After we finished up with our meals, the waitress came, told us the cash registers were frozen and that our meals were on the house. I really wanted to ask the waitress what the name of the city was that we were in, but I also really wanted to get the hell out of there. After leaving the restaurant, we were running pretty low on gas, so I decided to refuel before we got back on the highway. I assumed the name of the city would be printed on the receipt. We were not that lucky. The city strip was a one-way road on the eastern side of the highway. When we left Ruby Tuesdays, the only way to turn was right, and it headed straight back to northbound 285. In order to refuel, I would have had to head north on the one-way street and turn right on a side street to head back to the southern part of town to the gas station. The only available right-hand turn off that one-way street was closed, so I was forced back onto the highway without fueling up. After about 20 minutes later, we found a truck stop in an intersection where we finally filled up. The rest of the trip was very ordinary. We talked at length about how weird that Ruby Tuesdays was in the middle of New Mexico. We came up with solutions about how we had doppelgangers with the same names. We joked about how people that look similar followed the exact same paths in life regardless of their upbringing. We talked ourselves into it being a major coincidence. When we finally got back to Portland, we decided to do a little research and find out the name of this town. Here is a Google Maps picture of that stretch of highway, and then they have a picture of the Google Maps. We know we refueled at a truck stop at the intersection of 285 and I-40, which means that we would have had to have passed through Vaughn and Encino, so there should be a city between the truck stop and Encino. I don't see anywhere on the regular map or the satellite map where this city could possibly be. We have never really been able to answer what happened that day. I can still vividly remember the waitress's face of unease by the way my brother and I were behaving, the bartender's voice changed when he figured out that we were not the people he thought we were, and thinking the manager looked identical to an actor I know. My brother and I know this stuff happened, but we have never been able to find the solution. Maybe some Redditors can give me an answer, or maybe this just was some weird time glitch. Maybe someone has driven that stretch of road and knows the town. And then too long, didn't read... They put, apparently, my brother and I worked at a Ruby Tuesdays in the middle of New Mexico, and we did not know that. Huh. So that's, a that's like that's I said, weird. Thinking Sideways did a whole story about this. And there's people that, you know, like what, what I like that they do is they tell you what cities they were in. So you can look on Google Maps at this stretch between the cities, and there is no place that a big city like this would be in. Right. So the Ruby Tuesdays story is like kind of a popular one hmm. with the, I've never the heard Phantom it. Diner stuff. Wow. Yeah. Like, who's so, it creepier for? The people who work at the Ruby Tuesdays? Or it's just... The... Okay. It's just weird. It's just so... so, And they knew, like, what classes the people took. Yeah. It's like, just, they like... Details. Like, the people in the diner were being... In the Ruby Tuesdays were being so odd. You know, yeah. like, saying all the cash registers froze up, your stuff's on the house. Uh, one of the theories somebody said was that this was set up for, like, a drug bust, a major drug bust, and that... 
these the two people managed to like go to this restaurant that was going to be used for a major drug bust and these were all like fbi people trying to but it's just like such a how would they know who they are how would they know who they were where was this city that where was this city that shouldn't exist at this ruby tuesdays there's other people that swear that this was a made-up story uh some people said that the original poster said it was made up but there's like no evidence that they said that this was made up anywhere because people have looked into that yeah like i said this is one that people have really dove into and went down this rabbit hole of trying to figure this story out Hmm. so this is intriguing it is intriguing and this this is like the stories i like where it's something just like offbeat and weird not necessarily paranormal but it's like what but maybe (coughs) they knew the people's names yeah they knew what they went to portland for yeah and then they realized that it weren't they weren't the people and then they got really weird in the diner so i don't know i love the ruby tuesday story yeah that's a good one so there you go next story Hey, all. So this happened a couple years ago or so. However, me and my significant other, Rob, were talking about it last night. This got me thinking about this subreddit. So happy to see new moderators. And I decided I'd post and see if anyone can make sense of it because we're stumped. It's definitely not a made-up story because it did really happen to us. It's pretty complex for a glitch, so I don't know if that's what it was. If this isn't the correct subreddit, I'm sorry. It's just been gnawing at me since last night, and I need it out of my head. Okay, it's a pretty long one, so get comfy. Here goes. So we had recently moved in, and after settling in, did what any sane people do and tried out all the local pizza places in a search for our new spot. Well, heck yeah. Unfortunately, being the lazy people we are, we blew through the couple delivery places that weren't chain pizza place X and had to venture out into the world of pickup. Boo. We got (laughs) lucky, though, and found this hole-in-the-wall type place that made some amazing pizza and garlic knots that I'd kill someone for. Cool. Only bummer was no delivery, and they're in a particularly clogged slash trafficy part of town. The pizza was worth it, though, so we kept going. <coughs> we usually do a weekly pizza run on the weekends, and being a local place and the fact that we both sort of stand out appearance-wise, the family came to recognize us pretty quickly, and we always sat and chatted with them. Why do they stand out appearance-wise? I don't, probably, I'm guessing, gothed up with funky oh. hair. What, why did you go to goth? I don't know. <laughs> because when I think of somebody standing out, they got the blue mohawks. Maybe and they're stuff. both really tall. <laughs> that could be too. I don't know. I just immediately went towards funky, funky colored hair. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So a couple months go by and they're running behind one night. So we're just killing time and chatting and the subject of pizza delivery comes up. Great news. The owner tells us that they're opening a second location not too far away and that this new place will have delivery. It's actually closer to our house, so we'll be all set once it opens. And he even goes so far as to tell us exactly... Disgusting. Doesn't like pizza. Even tells us to go so well, far... Well, then we can't be friends. <laughs> yeah, get rid of that app. And he even goes so far as to tell us exactly what building it's going to be in. And it happens we drive by this place all the time. Not every day, but often enough. We get our pizza, take off, and have to actually pass the soon-to-be restaurant, and Rob points it out as we go by, and lo and behold, there's a big banner where the sign would be that confirms what we just heard. We're happy, and we go home, and we enjoy our pizza. We watch the progress of the place when we drive by, and even bring it up a couple times when we're getting our food. How's it going? How's everything coming along? Etc. I promise this is all relevant. There's a setback at one point, something to do with the heating cooling, if I remember correctly, but everything else is on schedule. Then one day we're driving by and there it is. Awesome new pizza place, grand opening. Huge sign, places lit up like a Christmas tree and there's a couple banners out front. One advertising the new delivery service, the other with their new phone number and some marketing stuff. As I drive by, I tell Rob to write down the phone number so we can get delivery this weekend. Boom, done. Fast forward to the weekend. Rob calls a new place and nothing. 
not just no answer, but it's not a working number. We try manually entering it, then using my phone and still nothing. Okay, we probably got the number wrong. No big deal. So we call the old place and ask for the number to their new location, and they have no idea what we're talking about. There's no new location, and no, they still don't have delivery. So we order a pizza to go pick it up, and on the way there, we swing it to the plaza that the new location is in, only to find a drive through coffee shop in its place. When we, get to the, our, when we get to our pizza store, we ask the owners what happened, and again, they have no idea what we're talking about. There's no plans to open a second location, and there's never been plans to open one. That's so weird. That's really weird. Guys, we saw it. I could draw you the banners, the placement on the building, everything. I remember exactly where we were on the road when we saw it was open. I remember that it was an overcast day. And what really trips me out is, is that it's not just me. Rob remembers everything the same way I do. In fact, he reminded me of a couple little details that I forgot about. Also, there were some minor differences that were specific to the restaurant, but unrelated to the second location that changed as well. Like, we had a really good relationship with the husband-wife that owned it. They knew us by name, they knew our orders, etc., except not anymore. After the second place disappeared, it was like they recognized us but didn't know us, if that makes sense. No super friendly greeting when we walked in, no referring to us by name, and so on. The second thing is that the pizza was different. It was the same type of pizza, but it definitely wasn't the same pizza we had been getting. The crust was a different texture entirely, the sauce tasted different. In a blind test, I probably said that it wasn't even their even their pizza. That's Only how, for you. That's how different it was. The biggest WTF of this whole thing for me is, one, this whole thing took place over months. Not hours or days, but months. How could a glitch last that long? But if it's not a glitch, then what happened to us? Number, that would make you question your sanity. Yeah. Number two, we both remember it clearly. There's no false memory here because it's not a single memory. We talked to them about it. We talked to each other about it. We saw the new restaurant. This can't be a case of faulty memory, can it? Our minds would have had to fail in the exact same way. Number three, the details of it all. We saw signs. We saw the building being slowly renovated. We had a brand new phone number that we took down. This doesn't seem like a glitch, but then again, what the hell, what the hell happened? And last, number four, this is purely anecdotal and probably not relevant, but it's enough that I'm noticing it. Thinking about this whole thing has just made me uneasy. Writing this out makes me feel weird and almost paranoid. Not quite that, but like it's forbidden or it's a secret that I'm not supposed to be telling anyone. Mm. Every time I think about it, I feel uneasy, but I can't stop thinking about it. I know how crazy this sounds and there's nothing I can do to prove it happened as much as I wish I could. If I were reading this, I'd probably laugh and move on. I get that. But if there's anyone out there that can explain this, even scientifically, or give even an idea to what caused this, I'd really appreciate it. Each time it comes up, it seems more and more weird and I feel more removed from it. Like it happened to someone else that I was with or I saw it in a movie, but it wasn't. It was definitely us in my car, in our home, using our town, using our phones, and so on. So... It's just so weird. And it's it like the, all of a sudden it's like it that's almost like a parallel universe where the owners didn't really recognize you, but then they kind of did. Mm-hmm. And then somebody replied and said, quote, I heard a similar story from a friend about a place in my town. I just started a business close to that place as well. Well, at least as at least as close to that place where it was supposed to be. It was a bar called The Doors. A guy would go there often for two years, almost every night, knew the owners, the bartender, the waitresses, and all the regulars. One night he goes there and, well, nothing. There's no bar, no sign, nothing. He met some of the regulars from the area at other bars, but most of them did not recognize him. Some said that they felt like they knew him from somewhere, but could not pinpoint where, and a couple of them remember seeing him around in the area, but none of them knew of any place called The Doors. I would have gone insane for sure. That's so weird. Yeah. That's that's almost like a time slip or a dimensional slip where you just go to a different 
reality, like a Mandela effect almost mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh, yeah, it is kind of a Mandela yeah. effect. And then somebody responded to that and said, quote, please take a look at my boilerplate for these types of events and see how much of it you can recognize as applying to you. I've been studying these for some time. Also, your sense of unease or forbiddenness is another very common factor. I suspect that our brains, like some kind of immune system, normally act to expel evidence of conflicting reality strands. And then he writes, how to induce a timeline glitch. Arrange to be at or traveling through an unfamiliar location. The more unfamiliar and remote from your normal location and circumstances, the better. Arrange for that location to be remote and for there to be periods where you are unobserved by other living beings, especially other people. Arrange for a positive, spontaneous sense of anticipation or excitement as the purpose of your journey. Failing this, arrange for some kind of emotional instability, even if negative, to stir up the mix. Of course, don't really arrange for this at all. It has to be authentic. Arrange to make at least some sort of decisions of a strong either-or type, like, quote, should I go in there or not? Should I walk back to that gas station we passed or not? This is an ongoing and possibly expanding list. If others have possible additional contributions they would like to make to it, I would like to hear them. Hmm. So that's some instructions on how to create a phantom diner type situation. I'm not sure I want to have it. Another it story. Very yeah, it sounds very disconcerting. Another story. Um, Growing up, my best friend's dad traveled a lot for work. He had a story about pulling off the road to eat in the middle of nowhere, southwestern United States. The restaurant he found was in an otherwise vacant area. No cars pulled up to it, but when he walked in, he said it was packed with average-looking people eating, waitstaff serving, etc. When he opened the door, though, everything stopped in unison, and they all turned to stare at him. That's such a horror movie thing Yeah, that's like the worst. There was a standoff of this for like a minute of this staring. None of them spoke, and my friend's dad was too scared to before he decided to get the hell out of there. Looking it up later, he said records showed the spot had been a ghost town for over a decade, and there were no restaurants there. That's so weird. Well, and it's, The idea of walking to a diner and everybody turning to look at you is so creepy to me. It is, and on some level, that does happen. Like yeah. I've stopped yeah. at local... I'm, I'm passing through a small town. You walk in, and you can tell people are yeah. like, oh, they're not from here. Yeah. And that's <laughs> disconcerting enough, but... I don't was, know if it's in these stories or not, but there's one of the stories I read where the guy described it. He said it's like... Like in a movie where you walk in, the jukebox is playing, and he said, as soon as you walk in, it the stops. needle the needle scratches, Screeches. it stops, yeah, and everybody funny. turns to look at you. It's so weird. <clears throat> Next story. Years ago, I made a sudden move from my life growing up in rural West Virginia, decided to move to Hollywood, California. After a year of living there, I thought I got the hang of the city. One day, I decided to exp- explore a stretch of the neighborhoods north of me that I hadn't been to yet. At the end of this trip on my bicycle, I decided it was time to eat, and I passed by a restaurant called India Palace. I circled back around after not finding anything better sounding and went in. The restaurant was completely empty of customers. The lighting was very low and mostly by candle or fake candles. There was soft chanting music. The host came out from the back, greeted me, and sat me at a table. Looking at the menu, everything was super affordable. I was having a kind of reward day anyway, so I decided to order several appetizers and a curry. Everything was presented in nice-looking brassware, and it was among the best food I've ever had. The host-slash-waiter was the only other person I saw. He was very nice and cordial, and everything was just so delicious and chill and gratifying and mystical. I loved it. 
Weeks later, Mystical. I plan- yeah, weeks later, I planned to take a date there. I couldn't find it on Google Maps, so I took a ride back on my bike to the street that I had been on. I couldn't find the business. It was entirely gone. Not only was it gone, but there were no empty businesses in its place. The street stretched as it has the previous trip with store after store, but nowhere was this amazing restaurant I'd eaten at. I went back home confused. I tried Googling more, never found a trace of this place. It's befuddled me ever since. Somebody else replied, this happened to me too. I once walked 12 miles and after being extremely lost at 5 a.m., stumbled into a downtown where one cafe was open. I went inside and there was one worker, extremely nice, had that nice energy about her, and I felt like I already knew her. I asked her for directions to a nearby university and she told me turn by turn where to go. I made it there and then over the next few months, I would drive through that downtown area looking and I could never find the building. Not only was the cafe gone, but the entire building was gone as well. Crazy. So weird. Next story. I'm reporting this for my parents. My father has used drugs and believes he has seen aliens. Disclaimer. Yeah, he believes he has seen aliens. His account might not be credible alone, but my mother, she's religious and has never done drugs or even drinks. Weird couple, I know. So her account is believable. My parents were on a small island in Florida on vacation, and there were not many places to eat. They drove around and randomly found a restaurant. They said there weren't many cars in the parking lot, which made what they saw inside even more weird. They walk in through the doors and see a very full restaurant of people. All of a sudden, at once, everyone stops, stares, and smiles at them. Everyone. Then they go back to what seemed like scripted conversations while still looking at my parents. Oh, that's creepy. The hostesses come up to them and smile and simply say, quote, Sorry, everything is full. You should go now. The phrase my mom and dad kept using was, quote, they were like actors. My parents left as instructed. They couldn't stop talking about what happened the next day and decided to go back and see it again. They drove all over the small island and never found this restaurant. It reminds me of like black-eyed children. Yeah, yeah. There's a bird looking in the window. How um, they say things that they think maybe they're, what is that? Oh, it just ran away. They say things that like they think they're maybe supposed to say, but yeah. they don't quite make yeah. sense. I think there, I think there might scripted. be some of that. There might be some of that in here. I'm, I I know that there's stories. This of that. is how you interact with yeah. human beings. Yep. <laughs> My parents hate telling the story and hate it when I ask about it. Visible goosebumps appear on their arms immediately at the mention of it. The only plausible, plausible non-glitch thing my brother and I thought of is that it was a setup by the FBI or police or something like a drug bust and they were waiting for the criminals. It's all the drug bust theory. I don't know. This obviously <laughs> doesn't weird. explain the restaurant disappearing though. Well, there you go. Next story. This glitch happened a few months ago in Central Texas. I don't use drugs or drink, so no worries about that. It was a Sunday. I remember that because Breaking Bad was on. And it was very uneventful. Speaking of drugs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <coughs> All I was doing was killing time for the new episode to come on. I didn't eat much of anything that day, and I really didn't feel like cooking. I decided to call a local hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant that I frequent to place an order for a large serving of menudo. Ooh, I don't know about Have you ever had menudo? No, what is it? Menudo is like... Uh, not the band. Not the band. Menudo. <laughs> uh, it's like a popular... It is... I think I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> Menudo is a, a Mexican tripe soup, which also goes by the name Little Stomach because it features cow stomach in it. So that's Menudo. Yeah. Tripe. Tripe. 
I waited a minute, then got into my car and drove off. When I drove down the street, everything was dead silent and there wasn't a single other car on the road. This isn't unusual on a school night in this town, but I had this feeling like something was off. Kind of a similar feeling like when you're in a room with a really reclusive person and you don't know if they're about to murder you. Oh. This goes on for about five minutes until I reach the restaurant. I don't know what that feels like. I don't either. (laughs) I'm glad I don't. I park and step out of the car. Silence. The only person I see is the silhouette of an elderly man with a 10-gallon hat rocking back and forth in his chair on his porch across the street. No cars are parked in the restaurant parking lot. I step into the restaurant. There's no one. Nothing. I walk around the dining area. I shouted, hello. No response. I pulled out of my phone. It is around 7 o'clock p.m. This facility I frequent is open 6 a.m. to 9 every day. I step into the kitchen. No one. Zilch. I start panicking, run out to my car, and speed off. A minute down the road, I noticed there was more activity than earlier down the road. Confused, I call the restaurant one more time. The same lady who took my order is on the phone and at my house. The same lady who took the or- uh, the same lady who took my order on the phone at my house picked up. I asked if my order is ready and if the store is open. She says yes and yes. I perform a U-turn, turn back towards a restaurant. I pull into the parking lot and notice that now almost every space is taken. I get out of my car, dumbfounded, and look around. The old man was still sitting on his porch, rocking in the chair. He waved at me again. I stepped inside the restaurant. It was packed. I could smell the aroma of cooked meat resonating throughout the place. I immediately immediately pay for my food and left. I tried explaining this to a few people. Most believe me, but can't explain it. It's unknown is what it said. And then somebody replies and says... Watch the end of the Langoliers to understand what happened to you. Time had to catch up to you because you slipped through a rift. Sometimes it happens right after you have an x-ray or an MRI. What? Yeah. That's okay. What they, <coughs> that's what they say. What did it say? Idiot. It's <laughs> okay. That's, we got like a third. We have a new before. co-host. We have like our third co-host here. <laughs> insults us through the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, biological matter and regular matter exist on separate planes of reality. The material world is already built waiting for us to get to it and die and decay as we leave it. It's like closing a Ziploc bag, but it only closes briefly and opens again when the present passes. No idea what you're... Revolting. That's the second (laughs) time it said that. Yeah. So that's just weird that he drove Mm -hmm. by it. There's nobody there. He walked in and then he did a U-turn, came back, and it's full. But only after he called. Yeah. That's weird. Somebody else writes, my mom and I were visiting a city and wandering around. Eventually, we got hungry and we found a Japanese restaurant to go to. It had amazing ramen. A few years years later, I moved to the town. I go hunting for the restaurant. I don't remember exactly where it is, but I know I was within three blocks of the hotel we stayed at because I remember how long the walk back was. I couldn't find the restaurant. Now, this isn't too surprising. It was a few years... It was, a, it was a few years later. It was a big town. Chances are very good that it went out of business and the space was taken over by something new, or perhaps I just re- misremembered the length of the walk. Annoying, but not a glitch, until what happened next. A few months later, I was in the same area of the town and suddenly spotted the restaurant. It was in the area that I had looked thoroughly through before, and I had no explanation for how I missed it, but there it was. I went in, and it was just like I remembered. Same, same inside, same ramen. When I left, I made sure to note where it was. About a week later, I went back, and now it wasn't, it wasn't there again. I thought maybe I messed up the cross streets or something, but no matter how much I searched the surrounding blocks, nothing was there. I never saw it again and moved away a year later. I still visit the city occasionally and have thought about searching again, but it's been so long, I can't accurately remember the area it was in. 
Sad because that has always been my standard of amazing, authentic ramen, and I'll never be able to find it again. It's just weird that I found it, I couldn't find it, I found it, and then I couldn't find it. Hmm. So weird. Several time slips. <coughs> yeah. Okay. We used to own a racetrack in Ohio years ago, but we lived in southeastern Pennsylvania. You had to take the turnpike to get there in a reasonable amount of time. And one of the times my mother, my sister, and I were together to go meet my stepdad, who was driving separately with a trailer to haul equipment. We got off an exit after paying a toll and go off into a strip mall with a bunch of rinky-dink-looking buildings. Not dirty, just faded pastel colors. Didn't even look like there was a town nearby. It had a diner, though, and we hadn't eaten since we left, so we stopped in. The food sucked, and it was completely tasteless. People stared at us the whole time. It was dark like a cave, not a ton of windows. There were some, enough for ambient light, like a Denny's if the power went out, that sort of thing. And an unreasonable number of people we noticed had bandages on them. The only person who said a word to us was the girl who took our order, who also rang us up at the end. We decided not eating was better than ever going back there, so we wrote down the exit in a little journal we'd been keeping in the glove compartment so we knew not to make that same mistake. A couple hours later, we get to the track and my stepdad asks how everything went. We said it was uneventful, but we told him we recorded a real whopper for the journal and not to take the exit we'd marked because it was it was Poopsville. I'm not going <laughs> to use the word they used. He gets really excited and we're kind of wondering why. He's actually said the words before, quote, I hate eating. It takes too much time and gets in the way of me living my life. So our less than a stellar review definitely wasn't a motivating factor. He tells us he thinks we ate ghost food and that all the people in the diner were vampires. He wouldn't stop talking about that for like 10 minutes and it was vampires. making my sister uncomfortable. So my mom did it in an about face and tried logicking him away from it. We argued that the food had no reason to suck. They could have easily killed us and nobody could ever recall seeing a movie where the wounds left by whatever bit the person to make them vampires in the first place still existed on their body. He got less excited and left it alone. Sounds like a weird dude. <laughs> we have the race weekend. It's time to drive all the way back. He asks if I want to come with him since he had to drive alone the way there. I say, sure. Two hours in, he pulls off. I think it's weird because we ate it. We ate a gigantic breakfast before we left, and I know he's anti-eating. I didn't recognize it at first coming from the other direction, but eventually it occurs to me he's going to that diner's exit. He wants to see it for himself. He stops to pay the toll, doesn't mention our story, and he asks the guy if there's a diner at the exit to make sure he's on the right one. The guy says there was one, but it burned down. Okay, so there weren't vampires, but what a weird coincidence. We just eat there, and then right after, in the span of two and a half days, they have a freak accident. This almost intrigues him more than the vampire bit, and I am 100% on board for checking it out now. We drive over, same same humdrum strip mall, except where we went to eat. It's just this charred mess. Not like with holes in it. It wasn't a wooden frame and pieces like a cartoon. You could seriously tell there was damage. No vehicles, no tape. We get back on the turnpike, and these poor toll guys are stuck in a booth hardly bigger than they are, so it's the same dude getting back on. Anyway, my stepdad's like, I thought you said there was a diner there. The guy says, like I told you, it burned down. He asked if they figured out yet what caused it. Like, was it a grease fire? The guy says, what do you mean yet? And, the, and, the, and my dad says, yeah, it had to have happened in the last two or three days. Didn't they investigate it? And the guy says, oh, we know what happened. It was on the news when it happened eight years ago. Whoa. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous and cliche, and there are tons of stories like it. I know. I saw it. It was the same exit, the same distance from the road, same buildings, except that one. I don't expect anyone to ever believe me, which is why I usually don't share the story. Plus, there's no way to prove it. All I really think happened is that the place burned down while we were gone, and the guy 
just didn't know what he was talking about. I don't think it burned down in the past, and I don't think that I ate ghost food. <laughs> but my stomach dropped like crazy, and it's still a weird coincidence, especially given how good a job they did cleaning up the site and how quiet everything was around it. It really did, did look lost to time. So there you go. Yeah. And again, it's not only diners. So here's a not only diner story. Somebody says, hey, guys, I was told to post here about my story. Here it goes. I believe I went through a time slip when I was 16 that transported me into the 1960s or 1970s. It all began when I was meeting my friend in town. We planned to meet in a bar that I had never been to before, but vaguely could locate where it was. I took a wrong turn down a side street and got lost. There was a record store that was open, so I decided to go in and ask an employee for directions. When I asked whoever it was behind the counter, they gave me an odd stare and never answered me back. I thought it was strange, and I left. He was a strange character anyway, a ginger afro and sporting flared jeans. Anyway, I eventually found my way to the bar and told my friend about this record store. He was interested in checking it out, so I took him there. When we walked back to the store, the building was empty, the paint was old and peeling, and the brick walls were hidden by old and torn posters. My friend never believed me. I decided to go on Google Maps to try to find the building. Now it's a coffee shop called the Time Cafe. Well, it's confirmed. I'm now a character in a Stephen King novel. <laughs> also, the street is right off Bold Street in Liverpool, Come a on. place notorious for people experiencing time slips. So there you go. Okay. So weird. Um, okay, this one is weird. This one is just weird. So I put this one in here because I love this story. I was relocating across Texas. A lot of these take place in Texas, hmm. I've noticed. I was relocating across Texas. What time are we looking at? Uh, two hours and 16 minutes. Holy cow, and I still have a bunch more to go. Okay, I'm just going to pick the best of the best. Okay. I was relocating across Texas, and as I normally do, I was driving through the night to skip tra traffic, and because... So much revoltingness. Yeah. I was relocating across Texas, and as I normally do, I was driving through the night to skip traffic, and because it's way more serene that way. I was driving straight through central Texas going northwest, so seeing the hill country change to desert in the full moon was super cool. Anyways, I was driving with my now ex-wife, and we were running low on gas. <coughs> Luckily, we were pulling into a tiny no-name town, and we could see an old gas station come around the bend. This encounter happened around 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, this town only had one road, and the station was right at the edge of town at the end of it. When I say old, I mean very old. The type where you have no option of prepaying. You simply flip up the handle on the machine and you hear the pump inside start tr struggling to get the gas from the reservoir. <laughs> I know exactly where th what they're talking about too, like the old style gas pumps. <laughs> it had the old style tick readers too, not a thing electrical on it. I, being the young man that I was, had never seen one like this before. So I walked into the store to buy the gas before I pumped it. The store only had one light in the far back on... What did it say? Hello. <coughs> The store only had one light in the far back on, and I thought it might have been closed since it was barely brighter inside the store than it was outside in the moonlight. Upon entering, I saw the place was deserted. No customers, no workers, nothing. However, there was a strange tune playing on someone's radio that I couldn't place. An old-sounding, upbeat piano piece was playing somewhere around the corner inside, and I heard shuffling once I walked closer to the source. <laughs> it sounds so creepy already. Yes, it does. This place made me feel scared. Not the, whoa, this is creepy scared, but the all hairs are on end, something is seriously wrong here, but I can't figure it out scared. As I turned the corner, I saw a young man standing next to a large radio and dancing his dancing though was extremely off-putting and seriously didn't match the tune at all 
Though the radio was cranking out what sounded like ragtime, this guy was running his hands up and down his body and pretty much feeling himself with his eyes closed in what looked like bliss. He was going far slower than the music and definitely wasn't on tempo. For some reason, I couldn't speak. I couldn't even move. I was in a trance as if every part of me screamed to turn and leave. Finally, I said, excuse me, I need some gas. The guy just kept dancing. I said it a little louder and he finally slowed down a bit and opened his eyes and focused on me. That's but it so was creepy. like he was but it was like he was looking at a finely cooked steak. Ooh. He was looking almost through me and silently walked to the register not saying anything. I said, "Uh, just $20, please." He again didn't say anything and just stood behind the ancient register, so I just figured maybe he didn't speak the same language or was embarrassed that I caught him dancing. So I laid the money on the counter and went outside hoping he'd turn on the pump. I filled up, told my wife about the weird-ass scene in there, and turned off the pump to kill the horrible grinding noise from the interior pump fighting against gravity to get the gasoline up. Weird thing is, when we were leaving, I looked back in the window, and the guy was still standing there behind the counter, and my money was still just sitting on the counter in front of him. It was like he was a robot who just turned off once I left. And this is where it gets super weird. A couple months later, I was driving back to San Antonio to visit family and figured we'd stop at that old gas station to see it in the daytime since it had become somewhat of kind of a running joke between us. We pulled into this tiny town and now it's gone. The lot it sat on at the end of the road wasn't even there. It was just grass. No rubble, no pump, no lighting, nothing. It was like somebody just picked it up and moved it. It looked like nothing had been there for years. I still get freaked out thinking about it. Hmm. So, and then somebody replies, you say where you were in Texas, but this sounds more like Twin Peaks. I think you just drove through a David Lynch film. <laughs> yes. And then somebody else writes, I think I've been there. I used to live in Lubbock. Now I live in Austin. And I remember when I would visit my relatives, we would drive through the big empty of West Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere. And it must have been the same gas station because when I was younger, we were taking a trip and my dad needed gas and needed to pee. So he went in and came back out and said there was just this meth head guy just dancing in the back with an old radio and he left the money on the counter too. And the guy just stopped and stared at him until we left. And he was still standing there when I looked out my window. I thought the guy was going to murder us or something, but the place is long gone now. That's hella creepy. We haven't visited since my dad was like, we don't do business with meth heads. It's so creepy that you've seen the same thing. Hmm. That is weird. That is such a weird one. Um, let's see here. Um, 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 we're going to skip that one because that's mega long. This this comes from a really good site that I never even knew ex- <laughs> existed. It's called uh the Charles Fort Institute, like anything weird is called Fortian, like Fortian, oh, Fortian society. Yeah, yeah. They, they have a forums. It's mostly English. It's mostly British people, but it's really, really awesome. So I bookmarked it and I've been reading it a ton. So this comes from that. It says, one afternoon in 1973, a man named Mr. Squirrel popped into a stationer's in Great Yarmouth on the off chance that they would stock the little plastic envelopes he used to store his coin collection in. The shop was located in a little cobbled yard and was furnished in a manner befitting an Edwardian shop, complete with a vintage register, although it had a brand new look about it. Mr. Squirrel said that he was the only customer and noticed that the shop was strangely silent, without even the hum of passing traffic. He was served by a smart young lady in a Edwardian-style dress and was delighted to find that not only did the shop stock the envelopes he was seeking, but that they were super cheap. At the time, the decimal system was still relatively new in Britain, so it wasn't unusual for people to occasionally lapse back into thinking in terms of shillings. Mr. Squirrel simply gave the young lady the decimal equivalent. She gave the coin a long, hard stare, but finally accepted it without comment. 
A week later, Mr. Squirrel returned to the station, eager to buy some more cheap envelopes. To his astonishment, the pathway out the outside the shop was now paved, not cobbled, and the brand new interior of the shop now looked dark and weathered. Moreover, the layout and stock were now completely different. He was now served by a middle-aged woman who told him that the shop didn't stock the envelopes he was looking for and never had. Moreover, she had been the assistant for the past few years and had no idea who the young lady in Edwardian garb was who might have served him on his last visit. And, she added, the shop certainly hadn't been redecorated since the previous week. Nevertheless, Mr. Squirrel still had his envelopes of, as proof of his previous shopping trip, although he had to throw most of them out because they soon turned discolored as if from old age. That's weird yeah. that he bought these envelopes there that seemingly, like aged yeah it's way more than they were supposed to miss foreman managed to obtain one of the remaining samples 18 months after it had been purchased and asked the manufacturer to analyze it their results were kind of ambivalent apparently it was made of a type of cellulose which would have been common in the 1920s and appeared to be about 10 to 15 years old so it seemed that mr squirrel had brought had bought brand new 1920s envelopes from a brand new edwardian shop which which I'm then, eternal. Which then <laughs> aged, weird. yeah. Which then aged 15 years over a period of only 18 months. So weird. It does seem like this thing spits out things you wouldn't want to hear during yeah, an investigation. Yeah, so it sounds a little sus. A little sus. Uh, get just a couple more here. This happened to me and my mom. I was living on a property with my parents about 20 kilometers north of Goldburn. We grew potatoes and raised cows. It was about 1600s on a winter's afternoon. That sounds so nice. I don't know if it's because it's British, but it just sounds lovely. It was about 1600 on a winter's afternoon, and I just finished plowing one of our river paddocks. We had the, Wa the Wallandilly River running through our, through our place, running south to north with the farmhouse on a slight rise of about 20 meters or so above the level of the river and the farmhouse being about 100 meters away from the river. On the other side of the river, apart from the small trees there, the land lay cleared away for miles, just dead flat. I put the tractor away. It was sitting on the veranda with my mum having a coffee and talking about this and that, looking across the river onto old man Topara's potato fields, about 300 acres in size. As we chatted, we noticed an area just on the other side of the river, what looked like a small storied house appear. It took about 30 seconds to appear from vague opaque, opaqueish, opaqueishness where we could see through it to becoming something solid and impenetrable. I looked at my mom and my mom confirmed that she was seeing the same thing as me. Over five minutes, we silently watched as a single storied building suddenly appeared over an acre of over an area of 20 acres or so, all built exactly the same, flat-roofed with large windows, awnings, and sills at the top of the windows that were intended to lift up and lower down to meet in the middle and cover the windows. Like multiple buildings? Yeah, like multiple appeared? houses okay. were appearing, like they were opaque at first, and then they started appearing and became solid. We watched this for approximately 10 minutes or so, and then we watched them all fade away to nothingness. Mom was a bit of a spook and strange things happened around her, so us kids just took it as sort of normal. But this was the most implausible thing I'd ever seen, and I'm still blown away by it. After the houses had all dissolved, we talked about it and tried to come to some sort of rational explanation. Every couple of years I go back and look, but nothing has changed. So weird. And I'll finish it with this one. Man, I still have a bunch here, so I'm just going to have to put these in another episode. This one is weird, so I'm just going to include this one. 
<laughs> this is another weird. The story p- takes place in the 90s, a time before widely used cell phones and GPS systems. My two best friends and I that were freshly able to drive decided we would head out on a Saturday to a water park in southern Missouri, about a three-hour drive from our home in northwest Arkansas. We had never been there before and decided just to use road maps to get there. We had a pretty fantastic time, but as the sun started to reach the tree line, we thought we ought to head home. It's about 7 o'clock, and we missed a turn, but my friend Paul, who was navigating, said, don't worry, another turn was coming up that would get us there just as fast. The next turn the next turn got us detoured, and we completely got lost. By 8 o'clock, we were on a road that seemed to be lacking in any sort of road signs and had zero lights. We finally see a gas station and are relieved to get some directions as well as some gas. My friend Taylor and I go inside while Paul pumps the gas. We come inside, and a very friendly old man in his early 60s gives us a very large grin and says, Well, hello there. It was very Foghorn Leghorn-esque. <laughs> he looked like an extreme hillbilly, but was very pleasant. We explained that we were needing gas and wanted to fill up. He explained that he was about to shut down for the night, but would be happy to oblige us. He then said something I'll never forget. He looked at us and said, quote, You have to make haste, though. Tonight is buffer night. Taylor and I looked at each other and shared an awkward look. We asked him if he could point out our location on the roadmap. While he was finding it, two people walked into the shop from the back of the shop and called out for the old man. He said he was up front. The two approached us, a man and woman, and at first looked confused as though hit with some sort of epiphany, they all of a sudden smiled. They asked the old man, quote, are these the guests for tonight? Oh, no. He shot them a look and said, quote, no, these are some lost children. The way he said children caused the hair on my neck to stand up. I'm not sure why. They looked at us and then they said, quote, the three of you should make haste because tonight is buffer night. Two things scared the crap out of me right then. The first being, how did they know about Paul pumping gas out front when they came from behind the store? And the second, that they repeated the same thing the old man said verbatim. We clarified the directions to get back on the main highway and paid for the gas without waiting for change. We booked it out of the gas station to find Paul already in the passenger seat. When we got into the car, we were nearly airborne from the speed we took off with. (laughs) Before we could say anything, Paul told us about how three men from across the street stood under a tree just watching him. He waved, but they didn't move a muscle. We just drove as fast as we could till we got back to the highway. To this day, I will still have a nightmare every now and then about that gas station and what my imagination has twisted buffer night into being. Right, that's and so, guests for what? Like I don't know. That's such a weird story. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. So the last one I'll end with, not my story, but my mom's. She's the sort of person who can rationalize anything, but she doesn't have an answer for this. Her and my dad were driving from Miami to Nashville, so a long drive. They set off in the evening and estimated to get halfway to Atlanta around 2 a.m. where they had booked a hotel room for the night. It was about 11 p.m. and they were in the middle of nowhere. They saw a small convenience store in the distance and decided to stop in to get snacks and to stretch their legs. They pulled into the parking lot and walked into the store. My mom said it had a strange, empty atmosphere, as if she and my dad were the only people in the whole world. She dismissed it as it was late and there was nobody in the store. They walked, they walked around the aisles joking around. <laughs> it's a <it>? doom. <laughs> <laughs> they walked around the aisles joking around with each other for about 10 minutes. They took their items to the clerk who my mom said was a friendly looking old lady. She wished them a safe journey and they left the store and got into the car. My dad started driving around the, down the road again and asked my mom what the time was. My mom looked at her watch and was shocked to see it was 2.30 a.m. Somehow three hours and 30 minutes had passed while they were in the store without either of them knowing. My mom, being the sort of person she was, managed to dismiss this and said that they must have just lost track of time. 
when they were returning back to Florida, they drove past the convenience store again at around 11 o'clock PM. As they drove past, they glanced in and saw the clerk, the same lady now standing in the window, grinning and waving to them as they drove by. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's a nope. So there you go. There are some, uh, there are some phantom diner stories. And your phantom diner stories were also time slips. Some of them were. Some of them were time slips. So it fit in good with with the t- closer mm-hmm. so it fit in good with the time slip stuff but i love the phantom diner stories yeah, and again it's 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 stories about liminal places that you only stop at to eat something quick or to fill up on gas but they're so weird and it's so weird when people look on the map and there's no city there where they know that they stopped and got gas or they stopped at a diner mm-hmm. so i love those stories hopefully you guys did too i have a bunch more that i didn't get to uh so there you go it's, it's not it's for not, you. It is not for me. So I wish th- I could remember more of the details from the story from Northern Wisconsin. It was a bar, not a diner. Yeah, but and th- I've stumbled across some that were bars, but I didn't put every single story yeah. in here because there's so there's many, so many. Of them. But I kind of want to have like Good a stuff. phantom diner experience, but I also kind of don't. Yeah. I don't want the one where Careful everybody in the diner is looking at you because yeah. that's just, or the one with the dude dancing and like feeling mm. his body all over. And I got Buffalo Bill vibes from that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did too. Yikes. I did too. But like the Ruby Tuesday one is so weird where yeah. like they recognize the people, but then they were like, kind of, it was just like, I love stories like that that are just kind of off. So mm-hmm. there you go. I don't know what those stories are even called. I just call them phantom diner stories. So there you go. Sweet. What'd you guys think? Did you I like the phantom diner stories? I love those stories. Even too. if they're not totally true, it's still. Well, I said, even if one or two of those were true, it's like, what, how do you explain that? Right. You know? So there you go. Good stuff. I knew this was going to be a long episode, so I have one song choice for this week. Okay. Did you say there was a question? There is a question. We're going to get to that too right after the song. Okay. Uh, What time are we looking at? Two hours and 32 minutes. Holy crap. Uh, I might have to load this in two separate segments. No, give it to me and I'll I'll do my saving thing because I don't know what I do different, but it always drops it way down, so you should be okay. So my one song, I usually tell you the song after the comments. But I'm not going to this time. I'm going to tell you the song first because I love the song and the video. It is, I just did this band recently. I freaking love this band. It is Coheed and Cambria. And the song is Jesse's Girl 2 featuring Rick Springfield. Oh, nice. Which is so cool. Yeah. That they got like Rick Springfield. And the video is amazing. Like if you watch the video, the video is so cool. Uh, Rick Springfield's in it. He plays the bartender. And he actually sings a verse of the song. And oh, it's nice. so awesome because you kind of don't expect it. Yeah. Like Coheed and Cambria do like the first two verses and all of a sudden Rick Springfield's verse comes in and it's like, wow. So here are a bunch of comments about it. Somebody writes, wow, there are very rare, there are very rarely sequels to songs and even more rare are there great ones. This is one of the great ones. Somebody else writes, and I 100% agree with this, as a child of the 80s, I should be put off by this. As a child of the 80s, I freaking love this. <laughs> Somebody else writes, Rick Springfield's involvement in this song and video officially establishes a Jesse's Girl extended cinematic universe, and I am here for it. Somebody else writes, the sequel no one saw coming, but that everyone needed. Somebody else writes, this video has everything I could ever hope to see. Our boys in Coheed, the legend of Rick Springfield, and showing up at the end of the video, the actress from the original Jesse's Girl video. This is probably my favorite music video of all time now. Somebody else writes, this is actually a really catchy tune that sticks in your head, and it sounds like it could have come from the 80s. Like a lot of songs from the 80s, this one begs you to crank it up in the car while cruising on a hot summer night. Mm -hmm. 
Somebody else writes, the first time I saw this video, I thought it was almost perfect. Then I got to the part where Rick Springfield sings and it became perfect. Somebody else writes, I've listened to this song roughly 150 times in the last three days. The Rick Springfield part is a straight up banger. And then somebody else writes, man, as a Gen Xer, I have fond memories of listening to the original Jesse's Girl when it came out in 1981, skating around to it at the local roller rink with my friends. And now, 42 freaking years later, I am driving around blaring the sequel and hearing Rick Springfield's voice again. Life is amazing. (laughs) So that is, I'll post it in the group, Coheed and Cambria's Jesse's Girl 2 featuring Rick Springfield. And the video is like looks like a video from the 80s. It's just, I like, I love the video. I love the song. I love the video. The girl that's in the video, I generally don't go for the blonde, fake boob looking <laughs> yeah. girls, but I love this girl. You there's, made an exception for her. I, I, there's something about her that she just seems like a really good person. I follow her on Instagram now. But she's like, like a, like I said, like a blonde, fake boob mm-hmm. looking kind of girl. But I just love this girl. There's something about her that she seems like a genuinely cool person. And I love that at the end of the video, the the woman that walks into the bar is the original Jesse's girl from the oh, 80s nice. video. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I love Rick Springfield. Like um, the, the, the KVSC trivia contest I do every February. It's like a inside joke that they always ask questions about Rick Springfield. Really? Yeah. And, uh. Before the last one, he was doing uh, just like a solo acoustic uh, Google Meet or Google, you know, like the Meet or the Google, what's it called? Live? No, it was like back when the pandemic was going on where everybody would go to talk. Like the, it was the, what was it called? What I am I know. trying to think of? Where you It's had, like a Zoom. Yeah, like the Zoom. It was like a Zoom. Okay. It was like a Zoom concert. Oh, and gotcha. he did it for AARP. And I said that I would watch it because they, they, we figured they were going to ask a question about it during the trivia contest. Mm-hmm. So I just had to like give my email address and, and make an AARP, you know, account. account. And I watched it and it was just like really cool. Like watching him, just him, him at home in a chair and it, just him doing a bunch of his songs acoustic. And he hmm. just seems like a straight up good dude. Like I've always liked Rick Springfield. So I kind of love that this song kind of brought him back and people like, know who he is now because of this song but that's my song coheed and cambria's jesse's girl 2 featuring rick springfield i'll post the video and this question adam sent to us from adam and sophie one half of the awesome adam and sophie (laughs) duo he said he couldn't think of a question so he asked chat gpt to ask us a question and it was just super fitting for this episode because adam didn't know what we were talking about is there a synchronicity so the question comes from chat yeah well that's what we that's what adam and i said we're like this is kind of a synchronicity so from chat gpt question for kurt and krista hello kurt and krista i'm a huge fan of the strange sessions and i'm always fascinated by the topics you delve into lately i've been pondering the concept of time travel and its possibilities While we often encounter time travel in popular culture, ranging from movies like Back to the Future to shows like Doctor Who, I'm curious to know your take on the subject. And it asks four questions. I only picked two. Question number one, do you think time travel is merely a product of our imagination and storytelling, or do you think there's a scientific basis for its potential existence? And in number two, how does the concept of time travel tie into other paranormal phenomena or supernatural experiences that you have explored on the podcast? Are there any connections or common threads you've noticed? Thank you both for your wonderful podcast, and I can't wait to hear your insights on this mind-bending topic. Keep up the, keep up the great work. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. That's so weird. 
<laughs> so question number one, do you think time travel is merely a product of our imagination and storytelling, or do you think there's scientific basis for its potential Definitely, Definitely scientific basis. I think there's, I think there's scientific evidence for its, its potentiality, mm-hmm. but- I don't I, think we're there yet. I can't figure it out. It's like, why right. do we not experience time travelers from the future? You know? That we know of. And if it is like a dimensional parallel universe thing where it's not so much time travel, but it's parallel universe travel, why don't we have people coming from parallel universes to ours? Or do we and just not... And that's what paranormal activity is. Yeah. Because realistically, there cannot be time travel in one timeline because of the grandfather paradox. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've said in the past, even if I'm super careful and I time travel back to 20 years ago and I walk down my street... Somebody sees just making me. Making eye contact with someone. Somebody, yeah, could somebody sees everything. me that didn't see me before. Yeah. And by seeing me, they look at me and they end up getting in a car accident. So anything we do, it's like the whole butterfly, like a, a butterfly. Effect. A wind yeah. of a butterfly could affect, could destroy a civilization. Like mm-hmm. any, like time travel in a one loop situation is way too risky. Risky and yeah. touchy. Like that can't happen. Time travel to a parallel timeline can happen because you can't affect the original timeline but then why don't we see more evidence of that you know somewhere down the road i want to have another time travel episode because i love timey-wimey stuff we know that Mm -hmm. you know so do i think it's it's physically or scientifically possible yes Mm -hmm. same i'm just puzzled why we don't see more evidence of it and number two how does the concept of time travel tie into other paranormal phenomena that we've talked about on the podcast it explains ghosts yeah it could explain it could explain a lot of things ufos could be time travelers yeah uh bigfoot could be a time traveler. i don't think they'd have to be time travelers yeah like there's there's we're gonna get into that a little bit in the side sessions actually like how vast the distance is between planets Mm. like like if UFOs and aliens exist, I don't think it's it's from another planet. I think it's dimensionally. Or they figured out a way to get here dimensionally from another planet because yeah. there has to be some sort of... You can't just fly through space because it is... Like, we don't realize often the, the mind-boggling yeah. distance between us and other stars. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's no way. So I, I think that it could... Time travel could explain ghosts. I think some some ghosts that we see are a time travel, like like what we call the impressions or like the recording yeah. where it's the same thing happens. It could be a time glitch. It's not necessarily a ghost. It mm. could be a time glitch. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for the question, yeah, chat thanks. GPT. So now I got a funny AI feeling. Adam. I have a funny feeling we're going to have a bunch of people <laughs> send us chat GPT questions to answer. That's fun. Because it's so easy. So there you go. Holy cow, I feel like that was a long episode. I'm tired. Chris is falling asleep over there. I need a snack. We still got the side sessions to do. I know. Dang. Uh, So what do you guys think? Uh, Have you had a time slip or a a phantom diner Have you went to a phantom diner? Have you had a situation where you went somewhere and you did something and you went there a week later and whatever was there in the first place is just gone? I don't know. I love phantom diner stories. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it. Now, Krista and I have to slide into the strain sessions it's or the side sessions. A little bit to the left. Although, allegedly, that's what's in the corner is a little to the left. I will tell here. you the title of this one is Distant Messages. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm intrigued now. Yeah, I'm excited. Distant okay. Messages. Cool. So there you go. I'm wiped out. Hopefully yeah. you guys like this one. I know you guys like the story ones, and this one was a lot of Reddit stories, but it wasn't so much paranormal. It was just weird, time glitchy, phantom diner story. So let us know what you think. And I think I am shot. So I think from Krista and I. Did you give the deets? No, I got to give the deets. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, we are, for our non 
uh, subscribers, it's like two hours and 32 minutes. For our subscribers, it's two hours and 42 minutes. So this is going to be a, a long, long episode. One. Holy cow. And I skipped so many stories. Hmm. So those will show up in another episode. Part two. Uh, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the final S. Krista does a great job on Instagram. We love our Instagram listeners. They're yes. awesome. You can send postcards and snail mail to the P.O. box that I need to renew this oh, week. I have to send you the PayPal. Yeah, send me the PayPal. 57 bucks. Okay. Uh, postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. You can call and leave a message, please, at our lonely phone line, 920-443-9602. We haven't gotten any voicemails in a while. Mm-mm. And you can send listener stories to this Gmail that I have not checked since I created it, The Strange Sessions Stories <laughs> at gmail.com. That thing could be exploding could be with just stories. tons of stuff in there. Just like... Millionaires could have been like, given us money to it and I just yeah. want to know so I'll check it maybe today when I get home oh no I have Asher's birthday party today and I think that's it so this hope this supersized episode was okay whoa sorry I don't know what Chris is <laughs> I was doing looking over at our Instagram <laughs> oh it was good uh, I enjoyed it I so love these kinds of episodes I do too and I love 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 weird stories like the phantom diner stories mm-hmm. if you find the dude that's dancing and feeling himself have him drop us a line Ugh. <laughs> or maybe don't. Or not. Maybe we'd have him on the podcast. Bell he, can do maybe on the podcast, thing. we could have him down here and he could just sit here and dance and dance touch himself while we're talking. <laughs> or we could have Jim come down and do that. Just <laughs> maybe okay. next week. So well, thank you guys. This got weird. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.